can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hey, 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 hey it's your guy, Brandon Greenhouse, and my my good Judith, uh, Jane Hazelton Hammer. <laughs> Coming okay, at you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is Come, that like good I... good Judith like like Dame Judy Dench? Or No, just my just my good Judy, you know? So it's just a gay right. terminology. But I was trying to upgrade you from from Judy. Because, you know, you're... Uh, well, I know the gay terminology, but I was hoping it was like a, a you were referring to a specific Judith, like Judith Light, you know? Do I remind you of Judith Light at all? You don't. Award-winning oh. actress? Yeah. No, I don't... Um, the the I don't boss? Yeah, I mean, right? Who, who was the boss? It was absolutely Angela. <laughs> and Angela is Judith Light's character. Yeah, Jane. Okay, I couldn't remember. Excuse me, that was and, in like 1984. And Mona, also her mother, who Mona. sometimes ran the show from the back. I was gonna say Mona was was sort of the boss for me. I loved her fiery red I mean, hair. I loved her sexual energy that she was always putting out. Cause uh, hello, your libido doesn't die after 25. <laughs> and Mona, you, you would know, us. baby girl. Tell him what it's like. <laughs> This is the part of the year where we're only one one degree apart in age. I know it's a, it's a sweet spot. You you it's enjoy this. Spot. You enjoy this less than month, girl. You enjoy these three weeks before. My birthday is um, on Friday, so I'm enjoying literally these three days. No, I meant the three weeks like between our like roughly oh, between, between our, our actual birthdays. Yeah, yeah. I want where, you to where I'm where it appears I'm only one year older than you. Yeah, and then the truth comes out in a couple you know, of days. We, at some point on this podcast, we're gonna have to address your obsession with youth. Um, and <laughs> me, my obsession with youth. I've been an old lady literally my entire life. I've like, you absolutely have. You are, yeah, I'm absolutely. gonna, I'm gonna move right into like the octogenarian fantasy. I'm gonna slide right in. I feel like you're comfortably resting there. I feel like, I've, I feel like when you, I, there was one time when you described back before the pandemic when you were going to the office every day and you were describing your nighttime routine. You're like, oh, I like, I get started for bed at like 8.30 and I have like a very spef- specific routine. You like have to like drink your bedtime tea and like Oh yeah, for sure. And like read a little bit and then like maybe you scroll through Instagram a little bit or something I don't remember the exact routine I, I, I and I usually end my night with with murder shows of some sort that really gets me into slumber for some reason um, <laughs> which is just fashion. a nice soft segue into into your I don't know I guess Murderous one dreams? person's eternal sleep into my hopefully temporary one, you know. <laughs> um, but no, I do. I, I do live a it's a it's a very you know placid existence if I can if I can have it that way. I've never been a really you know big what? fan. I of love that. 
Yeah, I mean, but honestly, I was this honestly, Jane. I was the same way when I mean, when you met me, like when I you know. met me, I was like twenty two, and like that was pretty much the exact same thing. Like me going into into my room, and you know. Well, you're very. I think part of it too is like you're very routine oriented, which I think is really I nice. Know. And that is not something I learned until, like, later in life that, like, it's important to be routine-oriented. So that way you can, like, live a life, get things done, do your laundry, you know what I mean? Like, not be exhausted at work. (laughs) I fall into ritual very quickly, and it's even, Mm -hmm. like, it's really little things. I find myself, like, very quickly, once I do something, it becoming, like, a routine part of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, and I have to do it, like, if I can be consistent about it, for like a week then it sort of just seeps into you know the the ether and uh, you know and what surrounds oh me and God. it becomes like I wish a part I did of that me. if I if I do something for a week I then I abandon it <laughs> like no that's not true you have like routines and you your skin now, and all that yeah like you're yes. really like you're really diligent about your the products and making sure that you like take care of that. I feel like yeah, I got but that. that's just like my vanity because I'm terrified to age. <laughs> no, but I mean, I feel like I've gotten that from you because I didn't have that before. My skin routine was really sort of like. I don't know. I feel like my skin routine was sort of all over the place. I this is a horrible. I shouldn't admit this, but like mm. I never like lotioned my body. Like I like very I very rarely. That. I just like navigate. I I've never been a really. I, I guess I never really had really dry skin because I'm naturally. I perspire naturally, which is mm-hmm. like you know not a flex <laughs> but a flex. Sexy. I stay sweaty. <laughs> so I have to get sweaty. Um. So. <laughs> so, you know, if you stay sweaty, you don't have to get sweaty. No, I, I get it. I get it. But, like, at what I, I've never been in a situation where I had to get sweaty. So, you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, so, but now I've, like, I'm doing that. Like, and I feel like my grandmother. Like, I feel like it's a very, like, when I, like, get out of the shower and I'm like, time to lotion. And it feels like a very, like. It's great. It's good for your It's skin. good, though. No, your skin, I, your skin the feels other so day. The other day I had that moment when I was putting lotion and I thought to myself, my skin is is absolutely softer. Like after like mm-hmm. six months, I'd say, of like being really diligent about doing it. And it also it only takes like five minutes. So it's like Yeah, it's not like a time, time suck. God, yeah. this I know this must be the most boring conversation for people. I, people who cares about our body lotion? What we should talk about is the movie that we watched this week called True, True Lies. Lies. Yes. We got into 1994's James Cameron Opus. True I, I'm going to call Lies. you on something. You call every movie an opus. <laughs> oh, do I? I've got a... Um, James, James Cameron's cinematic concerto. Oh, okay. True Lies. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. This was... Brandon gave this movie to me to watch, which um, was... I had not seen it, and it was one of those movies that, like, constantly people were like, how the fuck have you not seen that movie, which is the basis for this podcast, and, like, I I truly cannot believe I hadn't seen it, and I know it's a very, very significant movie to our producer, one Mr. David Bauer, and... yeah. Dave Dave loves this film and he's seen it way more than I have um, mm-hmm. but it is a movie that I have really just come to love and it 
really fits into you know the one of the many narratives of my life which is just my admiration and adoration of Jamie Lee Curtis and oh my god the queen she's Jamie Lee everything. Curtis she's so good this movie I mean spoiler alert I fucking loved this movie what is there not oh, to yay. love that makes of me really course. happy but I know I mean, but the confirmation though you never know you know of you course never know. you never know you want people to love it absolutely the thing is is that like it has everything that I like in a movie which is it like does. high drama I love an action movie and I love an action comedy movie and so this is all three and it was great I fucking loved it it gives you like a like a taste of like you know kitchen sink melodrama yes. it gives you like you know your caper it gives you your action movie but it also gives you like your thriller those two aren't necessarily the same thing it gives you mm-hmm. like a little bit of both it's like very much like a, like a love story which is how James Cameron has described it you know this is he considers this movie a love story mm-hmm. and um, I mean it's one of those movies that like it's a part of sort of the cultural zeitgeist and you know it is it's a quintessential 90s like it's it's a 90s major film it you know it's it was huge. and huge. everybody's everybody's seen it except for me and everybody's heard it and the thing is like I didn't totally put together that it was a James Cameron joint like when I saw like I think like I, it didn't surprise me like when I, I was like oh yeah 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 this is James Cameron I think I knew that and then after seeing it I was like this is absolutely I mean obviously but yeah. like this just it felt very James Cameron-y like over the top not a single penny spared um every detail um taken care of like clearly uh, just you know let's make this as big and complicated as possible which I loved it's also like it's one of those movies that like it's hard to describe to people and it sort of mm-hmm. falls into a lot of different categories mm-hmm. and yeah it it's it, it ha- but he does that i mean james cameron does that really well and so i mean it makes sense that a movie like this would you know obviously you know bear his name and when you when you start watching it i think that sort of the attention that he sometimes can pay within the context of um an action movie or a movie that is that sort of has like um i don't know it feels like like the, the DNA of it is like this action film, but then what's spliced yeah. over the top of that is this sort of complex domestic drama. So I think that he sort of toggles back and forth and he manages to honor both of those things in this really masterful mm-hmm. way. All right. So I'm going to chime in now with, um, with my synopses. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Harry and Helen Tasker live a very simple life in a DC suburb with their teenage daughter, Dana. Harry is a computer salesman who doesn't exactly color outside the lines, and Helen is a legal secretary, so she quite literally lives life by the books. They are a pretty typical family. I mean, I guess they have their little secrets, but who doesn't? Daughter Dana occasionally swipes a few bucks from her dad's wallet when he isn't looking. Mom Helen secretly yearns for a spicier life. And Harry works as a covert spy for a secret intelligence agency called Omega Sector. Guess they aren't so white bread after all. Harry is wrapped with guilt about his secret double life that he's hidden from his family until he discovers that Helen actually has a juicy little secret of her own. When Harry shows up at her office to surprise her for lunch, he discovers that she's been meeting with her own unidentified man. His name is Simon, and he is pretending to be a secret agent that needs the assistance of civilian Helen to carry out a covert mission. 
Kind of funny when you think about it. Helen is spending all of her time with a man pretending to do the job that her husband actually does while her husband is pretending to be a computer salesman. Helen's drawn into Simon's web of deceit because she's bored with her humdrum cookie cutter existence. Once Harry discovers his wife's motivations for assisting this would-be agent, he decides to send her on a little goose chase of his own designs. It'll be harmless fun and give Helen the chance to shake up her drab day-to-day routine. What could go wrong? I mean, it's not like an actual sleeper cell that's been tracking Harry is going to mistakenly abduct them and place Helen in any real danger. Oh, wait. Well, Harry will figure this all out and save the day and Helen can just wait for her knight in shining armor to rescue her. Oh, wait. It looks like Harry may need the saving. But who's going to rescue him? Oh... Wait, what is soccer mom slash executive assistant Helen doing with that machine gun? Oh, wait, she's just kicking ass and taking names. Who's saving who again? Guess when fantasy and reality become this enmeshed, a false truth will almost get you as far as a true lie. Oh my god. That was beautiful. I that's I like really I had to stifle myself because I didn't want to um jump in and still focus from your performance, which by the way was an absolute performance, and I give it all thumbs up. Thank you, Janie. Thank you. Beautifully written. (laughs) One of the things I actually your synopsis made me think of was like that I want to start with is like it is such a kawinky jink that Simon is pretending to be a spy while her husband actually is a spy. And like, are we supposed to like live in the world where that's just like, what happened? Like, that's that's just like, you of know, all a the coincidence? coincidences. Yeah. Well, it's funny because this movie is actually based on a 1991 French film called Le Total, which is a movie Ooh. that apparently Harry Shriver, who at the time was Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother-in-law, suggested suggested to him and was like hey or I don't know if he suggested to him to make it I think he was just like I like this film and I think you may like it like check it out Mm -hmm. and Arnold watched it and then Arnold went to James Cameron and was like this is a movie that I would love to be in like an adaptation of you know and so James Cameron has said like it was like the first time he'd ever had a conversation like about like with Arnold Schwarzenegger showing like interest in like a character and like the arc of a character Mm -hmm. um, which may or may not be shade um but you know regardless (laughs) it's what was said so um yeah i thought that was um that was really okay that is interesting but i'm wondering is that supposed to be just a coincidence i don't know that's the but i will say that's the part of the original plot of le total total where the okay so it is a part of the original although i haven't seen the movie i've just read about it but according to the synopsis of that movie it says that the wife is having an affair so I'm wondering okay. if she's actually having an affair in the French version, and like I bet you in like the French version she is, because you know, you know, you know, in yeah, France sure. they're willing to go a little bit further. But I'm sure because um, you know this is it was an American course, movie, they yeah. were like, well, we can't have the world hate the wife, and it's like because that's exactly what happens. You, you know, don't have to hate people who have affairs. Like people are nuanced. <laughs> like, I mean, you you would know better. I know you've dug yourself out of a couple <laughs> holes with your wife. <laughs> I mean. Yes, I'm always having an affair. Um, by the way, I hope my wife doesn't listen to or edit this podcast. Oh, wait. Me too. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, the truths that she would have to confront, I know. <laughs> I've had some. 
Um, speaking of my wife, um, one of her very big childhood crushes in this movie, of course, it's Tia Carrera. Um, and I believe the seed was planted probably around this movie. Although it could have been Wayne's World too. I don't know when Wayne's World came out, um, which came out first. I feel like Wayne's World came out in '94, maybe, and this may be the same year. Was this '94, Brian? This was '94. Okay. Oh, Wayne's World came out in '91. Okay, yeah. So I think the seed was planted in 1991. Um, but it was good to see her. I mean, she is fierce and beautiful and um, badass and like Tara's such a fan of her that you like I think she like recorded an album and I think like Tara like listens to her music. I feel like I, I feel like that sounds like she had a band or something yeah I think like Tara like has those like singles ready to queue up on her phone at any time so if I, mean, I ever Carrera, run into she was you, that girl you know if I ever run into Tia Carrera I guess I have to be nervous yeah, I mean, you may lose her again. <laughs> again. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so she was in the cast. It was fun to see her. And then, of course, I think we should just get this out of the way at the top. Eliza Dushku. Um, I yeah, you know her, right? You and her. Were well, really I good don't. Friends. I no, I I don't. I know she and I <laughs> were a part of the same children's theater when I was like eight years old um she then rocketed to fame and i stayed exactly where i was we weren't really friends she was a little bit older than me um and uh i don't like remember a lot of interactions with her but um i often tell people that i know her from childhood and then um get roasted about how i'm saying that eliza dishku is my best friend so. Well, yeah. I Her career Brando took off, and yours sort of. What happened <laughs> with yours? I didn't have a career. Brandon and I was eight years old, baby. Okay. <laughs> Living cool. my life. Dope. Dope. <laughs> um, but yeah, Eliza Dushku, which also, like, I mean, there's a couple of things that we should probably get out of the way at the top. Um, one thing that, yeah, Eliza Dushku, you know, in 2018, I believe, came out and shared with the world that she was sexually assaulted by Joel Kramer, who was the head stunt person on this movie. Oh, my God. Um, she revealed that, that, like, oh, oh, you didn't know. Okay, yeah, she revealed that, like, apparently he lured her to a hotel room and, like, wearing nothing but a towel, like, climbed on top of her and, like, <gasps> rubbed his body against hers and then she said she shared it with a female guardian i think a, a guardian or somebody who was an adult what happened and the person confronted him allegedly and um like the next day on set while he was in the position of power and in charge of what was happening um she what there was an accident while she was performing a stunt and she actually i think broke a couple ribs as a result and she has said like this happened she has she has said it you know it's no small you know accident that this occurred while you know i was in his care and she felt like it was uh, allegedly like retaliation for oh her my god what a and, fucking piece of shit yeah and jamie lee curtis has come out and when she when um eliza you know made that public statement jamie lee curtis came out i think on twitter and or to the huffington post and she said uh, something along the lines of you know eliza had shared this with me you know several years ago i'm just you know i support her and her bravery and telling her story Arnold schwarzenegger came out of course in support james cameron came out and said that he had no idea about what had happened heads would have rolled he, he says if you know he had any knowledge of 
he would have brought the pain is what he said um, if he had known that this had occurred on set um, and jo- Joel Kramer I believe was a stunt person for um, Arnold Schwarzenegger on several um, during several movies um, but also it should be noted that like let me get this deadline quote right yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, this is a quote from a Deadline article released um, in, I believe, January of 2018. It looks like January 15th of 2018. Um, it says that Kramer, who met, who for many years was Arnold Schwarzenegger's personal stunt double, has denied Dushku's allegations, but he acknowledged that a few years that a few years later he had a sexual encounter with a 16-year-old friend of the 15-year-old sister of a stunt woman who worked for him on the movie Virus. The police were called, but they said that they couldn't do anything because the age of consent in the state was 16. Um, well, it sounds like the only reason why he's admitting to that is because there's police record of it. He oh, for like sure. A real fucking pe- monster piece of shit garbage. So we will fuck you, it, Joel. Kramer. And also after Dushku. Um, revelation, two veteran stunt women came forward with allegations of sexual misconduct by Joel Kramer as well. And I believe that one of those involved the 10th grade girl who came to the North Carolina set of virus in the spring of 1997 to see how movies were made. So, yeah. So, and one woman, one woman also, this is all in the article, while a second woman claims that more than 30 years ago, Kramer forced her to perform oral sex on him. So these are separate allegations that were made in light of Dushu coming with her allegations. Well, I do have something to say to Joel Kramer. Um, and it is, fuck you for putting a fucking cloud on a movie that we all want to enjoy and love that tons of hardworking non-sexual predators have worked on. And then every time people talk about this movie, they have to bring that up because you're a piece of fucking garbage. Absolutely. Say, say it again with people in the back, sister. So, yep. yeah, that's horrible. The other thing that I do want to talk about um, that has also sort of been a thing that's come up with this movie mm-hmm. is, um, you know, there were protests when this movie was originally released um, for the um, the portrayal of the villains in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Arab American groups did come forward and they picketed the movie, actually, and they felt like, you know, they were portrayed negatively in this film and uh, James Cameron came out and basically said like nothing. I mean he basically said like (laughs) I could have picked anyone. It could have been a group of Irish extremists. Um, They felt like Yeah but you didn't. Blanche. Yeah, but you did. You made, made the choice you made. Exactly, um, and we know why you made yeah. it. I, I have a note in in my notes about this. It's like, can we make one action movie where we where we use the ter- term terrorist and it's not, um, you know, fucking people of Middle Eastern descent? It's it's yeah, it's egregious. Yeah, absolutely. It was the coalition of Arab American, uh, a coalition of um, Arab American organizations uh, across ten cities at the time of the release. They felt like the the portrayals were obviously cartoonish depictions um, mm-hmm. of fanatical groups, and um, yeah, they just you know they really didn't appreciate it, which you know completely makes sense. Uh, Dave's obviously chimed in with Hans Gruber, which we know is a go-to villain um, of Die Hard fame. Um, oh, so. I've never seen I've never seen Die Hard, which is. Okay. Uh, Jane, Dave just screamed, I, oh my God, audibly from the kitchen. Did you hear him, him through my headphones? Yeah, so he may be yeah, having I a did. full-on stroke right now. And I'll just, 
He's got his life alert <laughs> necklace on, though. He knows when to push, so. Every Christmas I mean to watch Die Hard, because I know it's a Christmas movie, and I never do. Don't worry, Mama. Um, You'll see it now. Don't you even worry I'm about sure it. I'm sure I will. assured. We'll, we'll plan it. So, um... um it's unfortunate that we have to like mention those things at the top of this discussion because you know there's there's the th- I think the thing is that we're running into is that when we revisiting older movies there are just like oh there God, were yeah. different standards and there are a lot of problematic things although like sexual assault is never like a different standard that's always been fucked but like certainly um, you know talking about it is becoming something that is happening more now which is a good thing. Um, um, so I'm I'm glad that we're calling that fuckwad Joel Kramer. We all know what was sprinkled over sexual assault for like decades. What was that exactly. like that reductress meme? I, f- I forget the one where it's like uh, the realization that like every quote unquote funny story that grandma has about the old days involves sexual assault. It's so true. It's something like so that. And it's true. like, it's so true. It's like, and she's like, oh, what are you talking about? It's like, you were, yeah. you were sexually assaulted. Yeah. Oh yeah. The boys back then, they climb up to your window and come in and the it's room like, and, and it's like your grandfather and it's like anyways yeah. we've been married for, for 60 years and you're well, like you know your what? granddad of course as you know famously 15 years older than me and actually a poker buddy of my father's you know he'd come around the house from probably for the age of you know 10 or 11 and he'd just give me a little goose when I was passing through the kitchen you know and eventually it's like he groomed you and then wore you down and convinced you to marry him is that what happened eventually this is traumatic and blood's on all of our hands and in our veins because you procreated with him. Um, So, yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. But, but yeah. So, yeah. This movie's great. I I just wanted to shed light on those things. Um, Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you you brought them up. I'm glad we we have to mention those things. But what, Jane? You you have the floor, Mama. Well, you know, uh, so I loved how, like, you just, like, this movie starts and you just, like, don't know what it's going to be. And it's like, okay, I'm here for, like, the full James Bond experience where he, like, is, like, infiltrating a party. He, like, comes in through, like, a frozen lake, which, by the way, when he, like, punched through the lake, like, with, like, he's supposed to be punching the ice. And it's like, that's, like, wax. There's no way. Oh, it looks, yeah. I noticed that this time, too, and I've never noticed it before, but I was like, that's fully not ice but that's what and that's that's I, I feel like it was wax and that pool was like 72 degrees but whatever I'm sure Arnold was like I need it warmer turn up the heater <laughs> um, so anyways he's like and I love how he like removes the scuba suit and then he's in like full tux regalia and then like the touch with like the aftershave <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, and not a drop of water on it. And not a drop of water. So dry, hair perfect, White. suit pressed, like shoes dry, like everything. He like waltzes into this party. And he's like, I don't, he's like trying to accomplish some mission. And like, he like sneaks into someone's like computer and he like <laughs> boots up Windows 95 and is like trying to like, I, I don't even know what he's trying to do. It doesn't really matter. But um, he comes out into the hall and he like talks. They're, they're in Switzerland, but everybody in this party is speaking Arabic. And he like, is caught by someone as he's leaving the room and he's like oh I'm trying to find the bathroom or whatever and they subtitle it and I don't know if you noticed this but under the subtitles they put perfect Arabic <laughs> which I was like okay flex <laughs> like, 
All right. Also, <laughs> just like, like, no, okay, propaganda. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, what? first of all, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> also, I mean, Arnold doesn't get it. You know what I mean? It's like, he doesn't speak perfectly Arabic as someone who was writing the script, you know, translated it well. But it was just like, it was like such a like flex. And like, it's like, see, he knows what's going on. <laughs> he knows several languages and he can, you know, just slide right into them. So I thought that was really funny. So he meets um, Tia Carrera, also known as Juno Skinner, and like they have like a very flirty vibe thing going. And I was like upset at first because I was like, I know Jamie Lee Curtis is sitting at home. I know that because I know like the structure of this movie and I know she plays your wife and I will not have this. And then what they do is they dance the fucking tango together. You thought he was giving her the Shriver treatment? (laughs) I mean, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I hoped he wouldn't. I hoped he wouldn't. Um, But I just always think it's so funny when people, like, know a choreographed dance. Like, if someone came up to me at a fancy party and, like, asked me to do the tango, I'd be like, I... I famously don't know how to do that. Well, you'd have to get... Well, you'd have to, first of all, get Jane away from the craft services area. <laughs> um, where the hors d'oeuvres are. Yeah, as if you wouldn't be right there with me. Girl, that's that's where I stick out at. I know. Please believe it. Oh, my God. I remember once I was at... Uh, in Wisconsin, I was part of a theater company, and there was a wedding, and I was... I didn't really know anybody there, but I was invited, so I was like, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, food? So... <laughs> I was there and I remember like the food was like okay but what was delicious was the watermelon and they had like this big bin of like like sliced watermelon chunks Oh, that's and that watermelon was so damn good and it was like the middle Mm. of summer and I was literally I had like a bowl and I was just taking it from the bowl like the big like trough and putting it in my bowl and eating it and like I realized this is the only like black person at this wedding like some I remember like one of the white women came up to me and she was like and she was like um because people kept like coming up and getting some but i could tell there was like a tentativeness and i was like oh it's because i'm like literally bogarting the watermelon and then i remember like a white woman who's a co-star of mine she like sort of walked up and she was like i love watermelon too and i was like okay and then i was like oh she's probably just like scared she wants me to know i'm not alone and i was like oh i am the only black person here and i'm literally housing this watermelon just like leaning into she was looking she was looking out for you she was like is this a trap um and i was just like oh go off girl get some but i'm sure everybody was like oh let's let him let's let him get the lion share before we (laughs) dig into it i hate that for you because it's like watermelon is fucking delicious everybody loves watermelon oh i don't give a shit but i know that white people like i know i know that it's a thing sometimes and you see like you know a black person like going to town in a watermelon it's like oh should we we can't talk about it let's just this is really not happening. But in that <laughs> moment, I forgot. But if that. you're like weird and like crazy, like, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like my mind wouldn't even fucking go there, but I don't know. You know, everybody's trying to be careful these days, which is a good thing. Is uh, it? You sounded like you lamented the old days. <laughs> I wasn't a part of the old days, Brandon. 
Anyways, before you entrap me into bigotry, um, <clears throat> let's move on, shall we? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so they dance the tango, and then um, Harry is just, he is leaving the mansion because he's done whatever mission he's done, and he like they ask him for his invitation as he's leaving because they recognize that he's like not part of the crew that's gotten invited. Also, it's like if you're trying to be a spy, you are making an absolute spectacle of yourself by dancing the tango with a very beautiful woman in the middle of the dance floor. If like that's not like conspicuous, but like I guess he probably doesn't need spy training from me who I'm sure also, you know, dance. she she was there and he knew it. She was like, "Oh, she's she wants a she wants a taste of, of a rain quest, so let me give her a little <laughs> a little amaz bush, a little amuse bush, amuse bush, a little dabble, do ya? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little something just to wet that palate. So he like explodes, I think, a car or something in order to get there. It starts a huge fight. Everyone tries to like follow him, and the thing, the gasp, Brandon, that I let out in horror when I was watching him escape this mansion despite all of the chaos happening. They sick the dogs on him. And he takes these two dogs and he picks them up and he smashes their yeah, head together. Like, and I was like, I I screamed. I I was like, you want me to watch this dog murderer? Like, you want me to watch two hours of this dog murderer? It was horrible, and that's, I couldn't believe it. That's one of the funniest moments in the movie to me because when he hits their <laughs> when he hits their heads when he hits their heads together and then they fall. First of all, those dogs are rubber. When I they, know it's so funny. When they <laughs> fall to the ground, the they are literally like they're bound, like they're like jiggling. It's like those are whole ass rubber. It's like, a it's a stuffed animal. facsimiles of dogs and it's hilarious to me because it's like I it's like y'all didn't y'all didn't invest a lot in this it was just like no the thing is not an expense was spared otherwise but like with this dog like maybe they like wanted us to know that they would never hurt dogs yeah they would so never so they actually. would like wanted to make it obvious but here's an idea James Cameron why don't you take out your pen because I've got some notes for you um Here we go. take out the fucking thing the fucking scene where you smash two dog heads together because it doesn't make me love our hero i think it i think it made sense and i support his decision to have that moment in wow okay well get at him get at him audience because (laughs) they weren't real guys they weren't (laughs) real i i don't want to say that you advocate for dog murder but it doesn't bother you and that is something that (laughs) we all just have to sit with you know what i mean that's right, because you were the assistant camera operator on those ASPCA commercials featuring Grammy Award-winning songstress Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, wait, no, I was the one who was in the arms of the angel far away from here. Goodness gracious. I know all about it. You weren't you know? anywhere near that set. I was Anyways. there. I'm the one, okay? So why don't you... Calm down, because I don't think it's Lilith fair of you to try and come for me. I hate you. <laughs> that was very good, and I hate you. Um, so, anyways, we are back. Um, he gets out alive, just barely, and he heads home, and he is... Um, we're, he's now back to Harry Tasker, who is 
who he actually is. And we see he lives in like a very nice suburban house with Eliza Dushku as his daughter. I think her name is Dana. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Jamie looks great. She's yes. got she's got a haircut like a 1920s flapper. She's got those big Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. That my mom wore. Uh, all of the 90s yeah yeah my mom had Get a couple my mom had a few different pairs um but you better believe they were big and you better believe they had a lot of different colors yeah and a good pussy bow mm. like they're always like, those blouses I, with the pussy bow in the front of them I don't remember my mom wearing a lot of those pussy my bows, mom wore but. a lot of those and there's a lot of photos of her like from like work and stuff with like really mm. teased hair like mm-hmm. giving you full working girl tease and just like trying to get those you know I'm right on top of that Rose let me get mm-hmm. these files on your desk very that let yeah. me let me plug in this word processor and see if I can <laughs> get a couple of docs oh that was Without- another thing that I noticed sorry I, no I that's totally fine interrupted you. I just made me think about like <laughs> Arnold and like background scenes he's so bad at like pretending he's like getting down to work in the background like there's one point where like he's at the agency what's his agency called Omega 3 fatty acids um no it's god Jane you caught me off guard it's called Omega Sector the Omega Sector Omega Sector whatever it's a made up government agency is it a government agency it's it is a government agency and it's loosely based on like Charlton Heston who's like in the movie and like not really utilized at all they just threw an eye patch on him um but he played (laughs) he played the head of the Omega Sector um he plays the head of the Omega Sector but he starred in a movie called The Omega Man in 1971 so I think it was sort of like in you know tribute to that okay in honor although if they really wanted to use Charlton Heston he should have been involved in what was going on like he should have been like a double agent or something and they should have found out towards the end of the movie well, the and that would have been a great use of him give him a monologue with that, to have like, with that eye patch and those hair plugs he looked so fucking evil I was like oh for sure he's gonna be some sort of mastermind Dave said he was like a it was like it has something to do with like Nick Fury I don't know who that is you know I don't know notes we're not gonna know who these people are who the fuck is you nick know fury? i gave him a complete note on this nick fury <laughs> nick fury is the character that sam jackson plays in all of the recent avengers and marvel mcu movies oh you know nick, we haven't seen any of, of course but that's regardless <laughs> because at the time cameron based this character off of the nick fury from the comic books you know of years past who was a white guy with an eye patch who looked very similar to our good friend charleston charlton heston oh okay that makes sense that makes sense you can rip that from my cold dead hands (laughs) um so um yeah that's that's what it was but they really didn't use him a lot i mean i felt like he i mean who knows like maybe charlton was like I'm sure some of those scenes ended up on I'm sure he was form. like, I have two days to film. Like, I can be on set for two days, make it count, or make what it What did you mean? Because he was going to die? No, just like he was busy. Oh, I thought that was like an old joke. It was like, <laughs> No, there was no joke. I was saying, like, maybe he was I bet you like, anything there are other scenes that he filmed that probably when they had to trim the fat to get this two hours and 20 minute movie down, I bet it was three. I bet it was three hours. And they were like, you got to cut some more, Jimmy. And he oh, was I'm like, sure. oh. 
Can meet some well, of those half cent scenes. <laughs> I mean, James Cameron famously wrote and directed Titanic, which was two VHSs, so we know how long that joint was. No, we're not doing this. I feel you. Okay, so Eliza Dushku, the character of Dana, is supposed to be 14. And we learn very quickly that she doesn't like her father. I think it's because he's not around, but it's not really explained that much. Like, she, like, thinks he's a dick. But this bitch get, hops on a motorcycle and drives away at 14 years old. And I was just watching this, and I was like, um, my mother would lie in the fucking street if I thought I was getting on Jane, a motorcycle and moving. Jane, you left off the part where she steals money out of her dad's wallet before getting on the motorcycle. <laughs> he catches her through these, like, glasses. There's, like, a camera built into, like, a pack of cigarettes yes. that is left by Tom Arnold's character on um, the mantle in the living room. And he's sort of showing um, Harry how to use the glasses, and Harry puts the glasses on, and then he has, obviously, a vantage point in what's going on in the... Um, uh, in, in the living room and he sees her you know swiping money out of his uh, wallet and then she runs mm-hmm. out the door and hops on a motorcycle and now I thought that too I also thought my mom you better believe she would have been in that car tailing me and she probably would have <laughs> given she probably would have given the motorcycle just a little like love tap just to like make her <laughs> just presence to known knock you over and be yeah, like yeah just a little up. just to be to skin my knee maybe and like hit my <laughs> noggin on the ground just a moment to sort of get myself together but yeah no it's very that he like lets her like he just lets her leave and she's like sorry dad gotta go and it's like yeah you better believe my mom would have been sitting sitting at my desk in my homeroom class when i got there because she would have gotten there before me on that moped (laughs) and been like you owe me something you owe me some money so when harry and tom arnold are walking into what is it called omega sector yeah absolutely um <laughs> they're like it's clear that they're walking in there's like all these levels of security into their face scan they walk through this <laughs> this x-ray and like they're having a chat and it's like they do tom arnold so oh dirty. i wrote this down too <laughs> it was so it was so disrespectful <laughs> level of disrespect is out of control. They give him this like jiggling belly. <laughs> like, they were so I, rude. The amount of calls I would make if I was Tom Arnold about how fucking upset I was. <laughs> yeah, Arnold's got this like spell. It's like it's like a ca- the camera. It's almost like those cameras at the airport that when your your stuff is placed on the um the carousel or whatever and it goes under and it's x-rayed it's like that type of like x-ray as they're walking through of their bodies as they're casually walking and it's like you have like you have like Arnold Schwarzenegger's like felt frame and then you've got like Tom Arnold next to him and they like they give him like it's full like third trimester tease and they are just <laughs> it's like, like it's full like Santa vibes bowl full of jelly very <laughs> very that it's so rude and I noticed it this time and I've never noticed it before but I did turn to Dave and I was like why they do him like that <laughs> um but uh yeah so also rude. we we've mentioned now we've mentioned tom arnold tom arnold he's great in this film mm-hmm. um this was like a really big movie for him i mean yeah. and at this time i mean he was sort of coming off of you know obviously like a lot of the drama surrounding his relationship with his then wife uh roseanne barr and um they're 
there was like reticence on the part of the studio to cast him. He came in for the audition. He said he never thought he was going to get the part. He actually asked about auditioning for a smaller part because he was like, there's no way I'm getting this one. Um, so I think he was like, maybe like if I could get an audition for a smaller part, like I, that like sort of hedges my bets as far as being able to be a part of this movie because he did really want to be a part of it. But he had really great chemistry with Arnold and um, James Cameron really wanted him. And then when they went to the studio and told them, because I think some other actors that I heard were in contention for this part were like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, um, Gutenberg apparently almost got Ooh. the call, the, the Goot. So, you love the Goot. You love Bruno. I love Steve Gutenberg. Lo- you want Steve him Gutenberg. working more. And I, I would love it. to, I would love to see him, you know, yeah. cash in some checks. I'd love to see like, you know, for there to be a world in which he's able to get some of that, you know, gold bloom money maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but perfect. Gold bloom's not getting his, his, he's not getting his, his foot off of everyone's throats though right now. He's like, <laughs> any gig for a quirky man of a certain age is coming my way. So get into mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, so, but Tom Arnold was the one that James Cameron really wanted. He thought that him and uh, Arnold had really great chemistry when they were doing the screen tests. And um, the studio was like, no, we don't want him. We don't want anything associated with like, you know, the, the drama and the tumultuous sort of relationship that him and Roseanne have with the media and all that. Um, but uh, James Cameron uh, threatened to take the movie to another um, studio. And he like, he wanted him that bad. Wow. And uh, Tom Arnold has said before, like he's eternally grateful to, you know, James Cameron for, for sticking his neck out like that for him. Um, I mean, not really like sticking his neck out because James Cameron was like arguably like the biggest director in the world. At the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, but still, some, no, it is. Yeah. No, it's something to, you know, sometimes, you know, people want to pick their battles and that's not a battle they're willing to have because they know there's going to mm-hmm. be something down the line that they need to ask for. Or there's another actor that they really, they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, I really wanted this person, but I'm not going to go back and back and forth with the studio about it. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says something that he, and I think it was the right decision. Obviously, they got on very well in the movie together. And also, apparently, that story that Albert tells when um, there's a moment in the movie when um, Harry is talking about how he thinks that Helen's having an affair. Mm-hmm. And, like, he tells a story about, he's like, yeah, he's like, my ex-wife, you know, she's fucking horrible. Like, she's took everything when she left me, even the ice trays. What kind mm-hmm. of bitch takes the ice trays out of the refrigerator? Apparently, that's a real story that Tom Arnold relayed about Roseanne to James Cameron and, like, wow. on a break or something. And James Cameron was like, <laughs> I'm putting that, I want to put that in the script. Wow. And so, I thought that was kind of funny. That is really great. Tara, the only piece of trivia that Terry gave me while we were watching this movie was that Tom, Tom Arnold and Roseanne were getting divorced when this yeah that was happening around mm-hmm. the time of the film so yeah um yeah that's interesting yeah Tom Arnold was great and it was great to see I, I, I is it weird to like Tom Arnold I like him is that I like Tom Arnold okay I mean I'm just worried that he's like a problematic person I don't know a like lot him, about him like, I do know he he was too. one of the people who came out with the Trump with all that remember he came out and he was the one who shared that when they were filming Celebrity Apprentice like he heard Trump use the n-word and he was the one who said <gasps> I didn't that there's like that. documentation of him using it so like I don't think he's a Trumper I'm sure if I were to have I a casual conversation not. with him over some brewskis there would be some dicey conversation <laughs> topics that mm-hmm. came up and I would be several times where I had to say oh we don't actually call that group of people that anymore <laughs> um, I can but only imagine maybe he's trying you know you never know hey, hey absolutely but... you gotta you gotta grow you gotta grow somehow right you do you gotta grow live and you learn and sometimes a rose can grow from concrete from what I've heard Tupac say and some other people anyway 
anyways, um, <laughs> did you notice <laughs> the fucking look you just gave me? No, uh, go off, go off. <laughs> isn't that his like book of poems called that or something? Why are you giving me nothing tonight? <laughs> I feel like you're just like watching me flail. <laughs> you fucking no. <laughs> anyways, did no, you it notice? was a book of poetry called The Rose I Grew from Concrete. Absolutely. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Why are you? You're giving me so much shade today. I don't know what. No, I just, that, I just liked watching you sweat. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. You're doing that a lot tonight. Just like when you were telling that story earlier about your parents. I, I just know. Loved, and I was like, uh, I started to flail because I was like, you are judging me right now. I thought this was the same. I wasn't thing. really judging you. I was just listening mm-hmm. to you tell the story, and I enjoyed. <laughs> and I thought about the fact that your parents listen to this podcast, and I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking, I wonder how they, how they're gonna feel about you know hearing this. I just, I could see. Nan, I could just see Nan Ham in her car just sort of be like, hmm, well, all right, that's kind of true. Okay, that's her version of events there, but okay. Um, <laughs> that's the thing is like sometimes when we're talking, I forget that other people are going to hear us. It's just you and me in this room. We're not even in the same room, but it's just you and me talking. So it's like I don't generally have a filter with you. And so I got to like strap on. No, no, I don't want you to have a filter. No, I want you to just share. That was your story. And so I was just listening and I was listening to you sort of like negotiate and navigate like the rough terrain that was mm-hmm. what sounds like the behavior of an ungrateful <laughs> child. So I was really That's just... That's exactly taking, what I was. <laughs> yeah, and I was just letting you go on that journey and just thinking like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> well, we can't all have been perfect. Of know? course not. Of course not. That's not your thing. That's not your journey. So, yeah. <laughs> I hate the implication that that's your journey, but... We'll no, 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 I'm, no. I'm... Um, <laughs> God, I was pretty close to perfect. I don't know what my mom would say, but I was just, I was scared of everything. That's my, that was, that's the reason why. I was, I I respected authority to such a degree and I was so afraid of trouble that like I was a really good child. And like every now and then my mom will like recount a story to me that like one of my cousins have told her about something that happened that didn't happen. One of my cousins told my mom a story about like us all drinking at like my uncle's house when like the adults were gone. And like, she was like, yeah, yeah, Brandon's not Brandon. This is like as an adult, she told her this, and she was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you you act like Brandon's like you know, I guess such a goody two shoes or whatever." And it's like, here's the thing: I was a goody two shoes, which means that like I didn't do a lot of stuff that other kids did. So like the only thing I get out of like that, I missed out on a lot of like the crazy fun that kids were having in high school. So like the only thing I get is like occasionally it being mentioned that I was a goody two shoes. So it's mm-hmm. like you have the memories of like sneaking out of windows and doing whatever you did. So enjoy that. Because I have memories of like eating Neapolitan ice cream and watching reruns of Designing Women while you were doing that. <laughs> I so will say, let will me s- have this. I will say though, Brand, in your defense, you tore it up in college. You were not such okay. A I didn't in first, but even then, even then, with my friends and stuff, like we would do stuff occasionally, but not really. And I was always the DD, and I was always the one that was like, "Oh, we probably shouldn't do that." So even within my friend groups, I think most of my friends, some of whom listen to this, it'll be interesting to hear what they say and what their perspective is. But even then, even in my friend groups, I was always, I feel like, the goody two shoes. Like I was always the one that was like, "I don't know, let's get out of here, let's do that." And I was the same way when we were talking earlier about my nighttime routine. I even in college, I was still like, I really got to get back. I'm really sleepy. <laughs> yeah, I really want to... Like, s- 
in and, terms and also of like, my nighttime schedule was determined by when restaurants like closed and stuff so like it was very like ooh we're out at this party we're drinking but I know Wendy's closes in an hour so that's definitely like number that's one priority factored in because let's also keep in fact that's also keeping in you know correct whatever the fact that like everybody else was like having sex and I wasn't so like I yeah. was that's the other part of it you know which is a whole other mm-hmm. conversation but like I was very like food was my number one priority so I was like they were all like oh man like I think I'm think I'm hooking up with so and so tonight and I was like oh man I think I'm hooking up with a burger like before you go over to her dorm how about we swing by Burrito Depot and I get me like a family sized nacho so you do you and I'll do me either way we're both making love tonight <laughs> Brandon don't do that it was a good joke laugh at it <laughs> I fucking hate you. Um, oh, okay. Can we talk about the um, the horse action scene? Yeah, that's a great scene. I actually turned to Dave and I was like, this lobby is massive. And Dave, of course, famously never giving me anything, was like, no, it's not. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> what? Why was he being combative? He was just like, it? he wasn't it being was combative. Big. He was he wasn't being combative. <laughs> he was just like not in agreement with me that I think this lobby was any bigger than like a lobby of a large hotel in any major city. But okay, I felt I can... for some reason, it just seems like during the chase sequence when he was on the horse, like in the guy, uh, I believe it was Aziz, I may be wrong. I think it was Aziz though. He's on the Aziz, motorcycle. Yeah. He's on the motorcycle. And I said to Dave at one point, I feel like the motorcycle slowing him down. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the motorcycle work, it seemed like the, the maneuvering and then also there's a moment where he's like on the motorcycle and Dave commented because there are these people in front of him and then he they like they dodge out of the way and Dave was like it, Dave said um, he was like I feel like he needs them to move as much as they need to move like he wouldn't like it's not like you would mow them <laughs> yeah. down like if you hit them then you would fly off the motorcycle and it would break like absolutely you like it, it just it felt like the motorcycle was more cumbersome and obviously at the, at the climax of that scene when the motorcycle sort of um, takes flight off of the side of the building we understand why we need it but during the actual like n- sort of negotiating of the lobby and the patrons it was there is like it's like this is a little clunky like I feel like you sort of it gotten, this motorcycle's gotten away from you a little bit maybe we ditched this into a little foot foot race fantasy moment but you know but then we need Arnold on that horse coming in to really which apparently there was a big thing also with the horse in the during the making of the movie it was like I think that like some like boom up or something okay so I read this that, okay sorry so no, no, the, no, no. the horse what first of all I have so many things to say about this but we'll start here so I guess when they were making the movie the and by the way I didn't read very much about this that was just like one thing that caught my eye because I was very concerned about that horse and so the the boom hit the horse and the horse like freaked out the horse was startled yeah yeah and so like I guess like I don't think Arnold was bucked off, but like he like the horse like he freaked no out he like, like he slid off the horse or something like he somehow oh, he fell okay. off of the horse and it was near like a thirty foot drop and apparently um, his stuntman saw what happened and was able to grab him before he fell off the ledge, oh which also God. I don't even know what that means because it's like how do you grab Arnold Schwarzenegger like by like the <laughs> arm? It's not like I Juliet Lewis know. like <laughs> like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like or like a young like or like a Gwyneth Paltrow 
Paltrow. It's like this is like <laughs> a huge. Well, um, Gwyneth Paltrow's kind of tall, so even her, I feel like, would be like a little bit think, of a. Who do you think you could grab and pull off a ledge? I feel Gary like Gary Coleman. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> In my mind, I was thinking that you said Gary Coleman, but I was thinking of Gary Oldman. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, random. I don't know. Gary Oldman, he's falling. I'm not going to mess my back up. God, well, been, I sit in this chair for two hours and I get up and I'm like, oof. Like, I can I only thinking, imagine. <laughs> trying to grab. Well, I was thinking, like, people I could grab might be like Emma Collins. Emma Watson? I could grab Emma, Emma Watson. Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a small, like, wayfish actor. Preferably Emma Watson during, like, the first Harry Potter movie. <laughs> when she was, like, 11? Yeah. I know so for sure I could grab. I don't know that I could grab. I don't know that I could successfully grab Emma Watson, Beauty and the Beast. 100% I can't say. I can't say I that I'm. I do know for, for a fact, though, that I would be able at least to hold on to her for long enough for us to have, like, a, an exchange of, like, <laughs> you're going to die, girl. And, like, <laughs> like that moment. That, no, I wouldn't say that, but just the look. And I would tell her with my eyes, like, I ain't going to be able to hold you up. <laughs> you know, this is not the tale as old as time. Like, this is it. So you anything you want me to tell your friends and your family? Look, I know, famously, you're not going to give up the goods to save a friend. With well, I'm not going to hurt myself. As I will always say, somebody has to tell the tale. <laughs> Who's going to report to people what happened? Anyways, can I ask a question about this scene? Please do, Jenny. Why did he think that a horse could outrun a motorcycle? And why was they? why were they so close? Because it seems like a motorcycle drives much faster than a horse can gallop. Am but I not wrong? through a lobby of a hotel. No, but like before they were in a lobby. Like he was I mean, like, I, th- I don't think it was like, I think it was just, it's the spur of the moment, you know? And it's a more interesting scene than like if he had gotten on a motorcycle. Look, I agree. I'm just saying logistically. Of course, like it was fast. And horses can, and horses can fun. move really fast too. I just feel like you work for some sort of organization that is like pro-horse. And I feel like you feel like I'm disparaging horses. And I'm not. I'm here for the horses. I was working worried about the horse's safety when they were making this movie and I was watching this and I saw this horse running through all these different terrains and I was like this is exactly what a horse should be I feel like you are a quintessential (laughs) boomer and you are like the type who really feels like you poo poo sometimes like ye olden days and you and you go for like you know like that technology that was like sold to you at a certain point I feel like that that's very much what you're living for. So you're really trying to push this whole like we don't need horses. That's too like that's olden day stuff. Like so why motorcycles a, technology. Why would that make me a boomer? Oh, I don't know why it makes you that. I just I just know <laughs> that just... that's what I'm picking up from you. Oh, oh, like I'm being like like combative, like a boomer might be. Well, you're a contrarian anyway. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying, like I feel like this is just a dragging. This is an assault on me and my character. I'm just trying to look out for the horse, Brandon. And I didn't. The horse was injured on set. Clearly, I wonder is that horse still alive? Well, we don't know that. Okay, we don't know the horse was injured. All we know is that the horse was stunned by a boom op. We don't know and that the honestly, horse was hurt. He could have been living his life. Grazing on a pasture instead of being spooked by Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Cameron. But there are working animals, Jane. We need them in movies. Have you ever seen? You want to see Dunstan checks in with? What do you want? You want Martin Short to play Dunstan? 
goodness. You want a live action version of like Babe with like Dustin Diamond taking on the role of the title character? That is so classless. You know he is gone. Oh, I actually forgot. But regardless, I stand by my statement. That wasn't like a disparaging statement about Dustin Diamond. It's just like All right, just make you sure. Ugh, look at you trying to I see what you're trying to do. I'm well, trying to do what you do. Oh, exactly. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your box, Jane. My point is that, like, we need animals in movies. They bring such life. And, you know, they really up the Annie. I love seeing this horse. I'm just asking questions. And I feel like you're upset because I... Oh, my God. The amount of time we've devoted to this horse conversation. (laughs) We we have so much movie to go. We have so much movie to go. Anyways, I love how when he comes home after this whole thing, he's, like, supposed to be home at dinner at 8 for his birthday celebration. Mm -hmm. And... Helen is like way too forgiving. She's like, it's okay, sweetie. And it's like, if I didn't know that you were a spy, I w- you would sit down and I would yell at you for several hours for like not showing up. I feel like also like a profession like computer salesman, even for this time, I feel like there's something sort of like, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's something shady, sketchy. Not sh- no, no, that's not the word. It's um, it's like intangible. Like there's something about it because I feel like even like in a 1993, 1994, it's like my husband sells computers, but I feel like nobody really mm-hmm. knows completely what that means just yet. So I feel like you could just be like, you know. I had the problem with the technology. And then, like, she's just gonna be like, oh, of course, that checks out. The gigabytes. The gigabytes <laughs> the ate giga- the terab. The gigabytes ate the megabytes. And then the she's gonna be like, of that course. Was good. That was good. Oh, thank you. I don't like when you point out what's good, though. It sounds like it makes it seem like everything else isn't. And I don't love that because I feel like it's all solid. But yeah, like I feel like it's a very it's a it's a profession that's like, oh, we all know it's like technology. So like, but it's that same thing. Like, I love 90s movies that deal with technology because nobody knows what it is yet. So it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I feel like they were banking on like technology being something that the average person wasn't that familiar with. So like, let's just make it my computer cell because it's like a hoity-toity career that probably requires that you go around and do a lot of glad-handing to try and get companies to buy your computers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like when in 1999 movies that came out and they're like, oh, he works in tech. And it's just like, For sure. you just accept what that is. And he wears glasses. You yeah, you don't understand probably has what a that stylish means. stylish mullet. Yeah, exactly. very that. It'd be like today if like somebody did a movie and they were like, well, my husband, as you all know, is a Bitcoin broker. And he <laughs> wasn't able to join us today because there's some big bit you know happening in downtown Detroit and it's like okay girl sure he's doing on you but go off um <laughs> so that was just so funny like she's I also like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean nope. to cut you off again. I no, was going to no, say, go there's ahead. also, in the summary of this movie, um, when I was looking at Wikipedia, they also, at this point, they, they described it as a birthday party. And I was like, ah, I don't, let's get crazy. It was, <laughs> birthday it, party. It, it was her and Dana. <laughs> like, sitting at a table with a cake. So let's just all... And, like, your daughter already, like, really hates you inexplicably. We don't get a ton of backstory on that, but, like... Also, Eliza Dushku is 12 years old in this movie, apparently. <gasps> and it's like, She's of course she is. <laughs> She and she looks, looks like, she's like she looks 12. Yeah, and I thought that when 12. when the guy comes to pick her up on the bike and I thought this child is like <laughs> and then somebody said she's 14 in the movie and I thought is she? 
She's like a young ass 14. Yep, she's super young. Also, 14? No, that's too young. Yeah, it's too young to be hopping on the back of motorcycles. My kids would hate me. I'd be, oh, they would hate me so much. And she's like, no, you're not doing that. No, you're not doing that. Sit down. Go sit down and watch television. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> yeah, you're not. What are you talking about going down these streets, hopping in the back of somebody's moped? Get, get out of here. It's like the cats. I don't even let the cats go outside. You think you're going out? We got Grab a lot a of designing women on deck. We got plenty to do. <laughs> Look, last time I checked, they just remastered Suzanne Summer's epic Step by Step. Oh it's an HD now, sis. So grab a seat and some popcorn. <laughs> Your kids start fucking bawling. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh... Um, another. Uh, I want. I have a couple of like great Arnold um, acting callouts oh, after nice. you. <laughs> After he finds out, or he thinks that Helen might be cheating, he's like walking across the street like Charlie Brown. <laughs> oh, he's really like moping. Did you <laughs> do you notice how excited also that like Albert Tom um, Arnold's character? You know how excited he gets when he <laughs> when he's like Helen's cheating on me, and he's like, I know it, I know it, and it's like. Okay, calm down. Put your boner away. Like, why are you living for like the destruction of my marriage? And he's exactly. like, it happened to me too. It's just like he's just like, oh, you you thought you were, you know, you thought you were above it. No, 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 it's it got like, you too, man. Because like, misery loves company. Yeah, it's just like you are just l- trying to drag me down with you because of your shitty marriage. Like, <laughs> it's like help I thought me we out. were friends. Like, I thought you would root for me. And, and he's just like, like, oh, gotta deal with it. What'd you expect, Harry? You're gone all he, the time. He literally says, I wrote down his, he's like rooting for it. And then he like immediately turns on Harry. And as I wrote down his line, because it's like so rude. What'd you expect, Harry? Helen's a flesh and blood woman and you were never there. It was just a matter of time. And it's like, okay, bitch. Do you think there were a lot of women in the movie theater that were like, mm, preach. <laughs> A word, a word from Tom. Okay, Bill Paxton. Let's talk about Bill Paxton. Oh, I love Bill Paxton. He's one of my favorites. I love Bill Paxton. It was so fun to see him in this because I didn't realize he was in this. And, like, I feel like one of the things I thought after watching this movie is, like, that has got two of... That has to be, like, one of the funnest parts to play in this movie. He's so great. He's so fun. I've always loved Bill Paxton. And, he's great. Um, he's great. And this is a perfect role for him. He he always did... He was always so good with those, like, slimy sort of characters. I Do you remember... Have you ever seen Weird Science, Jane? The movie from the 80s? I have. Tara has made me watch it, but I don't remember it super well. But he's he the was brother, the older though. brother. Yeah, he was, like, the total asshole older brother, right? I want to say Biff, but I know it's not Biff. No, I feel like that is like a Teen Wolf moment. Chet. Maybe. Chet. It's Chet. Yeah, that's, oh my God, that's such an 80s name. Absolutely. Have um, you ever met a Chet in real life? No. Me neither. I, I, it's like hard for me to believe What's it's Chet short it's for? Chester? Name. I think it's short for Chester, but it's like, yeah. who the fuck is named Chester besides like rich old white men? Yeah, exactly. And then like dicks in 80s. Movies. I guess rich old white men's grandchildren. <laughs> you want to secure that bag for your kids, the trust fund. We named him Chad after you, Dad. <laughs> you got you. You got to do. Um, 
I love when, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this too, this is again Arnie's incredible background work, but when he and Bill Paxton are riding out in the Corvette, um, by the way, the the quote, the vet gets them wet is like amazing to me and I will be saying that in a lot of contexts. I'm going to get you a, a jacket, I'm going to get you... Uh, mm. uh, like embroidered? On yeah, on it? the back. Oh my yeah. god, please. I would love a jacket with the vet gets them wet on the back of a jacket. It would be better if your name was Yvette. Oh, God. It would be so perfect. <laughs> well, Just like a really like smug lesbian that. woman. Ugh, come on. <laughs> Love it, though. What, like a monster walking around with it? <laughs> <laughs> like a shit person. I literally just see Fortune Feimster in my head wearing that jacket. <laughs> Which would be hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because it wouldn't be like truthful or like honest. Yeah, or, yeah. It's it's, it's so ironic, funny. is what it is. Um, <laughs> but when Harry and Summer are out, they stop to get hot dogs for some reason because apparently that's something you do on a test drive or whatever. Arnold, Harry, or Simon is like eating his hot dog. Bill Paxton is eating his hot dog like a motherfucker, and Arnold is like holding onto his hot dog in his palm like a Faberge egg. Like it's gonna hurt him. He like doesn't unwrap it. He's just like it's balancing in the middle of his palm. It's just so funny to me. Nobody got that. Also, just to, I, we did cover it in the blurb, but just in case you haven't seen the movie, Simon is the mm-hmm. the guy that um, that Harry discovers that his wife Helen has been meeting secretly um, he's now taken it upon himself to wiretap her phone um, <laughs> using the government resources um, so that he's sort of like he got he's got a little bit of a clue in on who this guy is he's heard like Zilbert conversations with him pretending to be a secret agent to sort of like get the trust of his wife and he's like I want to meet him face to face I'm going to take this guy down he shows up at the dealership he, he says he wants to test drive one of the cars because the guy's a used car salesman pretending to be a secret agent and so he takes um, Harry not knowing that he's Helen's husband on like this you know this uh, car ride this test drive and there's a moment in the test drive where he says one of the most vile lines oh my god I I have this written down too I think I know what you're gonna say yeah I'm pretty sure we both agree but he's talking about he's I'll let Jane say the actual line but I'll set up he's talking to Harry about how like you know Harry's gotta come up with an angle to like get these ladies and how he's got his whole setup you know where he gets the women and he's describing this woman the secretary who's got this humdrum life and boring husband to Harry the husband of Helen and he's describing Helen and he's and he says like she has an ass like a 10 year old boy Ugh, I hated it so much I have no idea what that means or where to start with that I did not know that that was I, 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 it's a horrible <laughs> line it's like a line that you write when you want to make sure that like everybody knows that this person is like disgusting and has like <laughs> no redeeming qualities like I just don't understand like I'm, I, I know what he means but it's gross and I it's don't, weird I don't I really don't know what. He oh, he. Means. I think he just means that it's like you know you. He's just a young, I guess like young taught like. Okay. What I guess I don't. The ten year old boys. I mean, we're going to. I, yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> it's a weird, unnecessary line, and I don't know what the goal. I don't know if James originally wrote. He's. She, oh yeah, she's got an ass like a ten year old girl, and somebody was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't <laughs> say that, boy. Jimmy. Make it a boy. <laughs> 
that'll make it better. <laughs> like, was there ever a time in history where that was like, oh, I know what he means. That's fine. Like, it was the audience in 1994 like, okay, yeah, we get you. It, I, I imagine the audience is probably a lot of just like, ugh. <laughs> As the parents look over at their 10-year-old son, like, ugh. Oh, God. Well, just awful. And this guy, this character is disgusting. And he is convincing Helen that he's a spy. They have, like, a secret rendezvous, Helen and Simon, Bill Paxton. And they're, like, in this trailer. And he's like, this is my, um, what does he call it? Like, a safe house. And it's just, yeah. like, the, the dump where he lives, obviously. And he's, like, really trying to sell Helen on this, like, that he's a spy. And he's like, will you come with me to Paris? And Helen, like, agrees because she wants some excitement in her life. And then, like, <laughs> because... Um, Tasker and everybody is, like, surveilling them. They decide to, like, basically cut the side of the trailer and rip them both off. And, like, and rip them both out. And, um, of the trailer and, like, arrest them or kidnap them. Um... I mean, like, and, they decide it, like, I feel like he, he really, he decides it partly because, like, she's all but being assaulted. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, like, really trying to, there's, like, a moment at the beginning where he's explaining to her that if they're going to be undercover and she's going to pretend to be his wife, that, like, they need to, like, under, like, need to be familiar with each other's bodies, which is gross. Oh, so um, And so she's sort of at that point where it's, like, you have to sort of decide if you're going to do the, the horrible thing or if you're, she feels some sort of attraction to him or this version of him that he's presented himself to be and she mm-hmm. has the moment where she's decided and she ultimately decides I can't do this I'm you know yeah. they, like and I think that like that's when you know Harry's like we gotta we gotta swoop in now with all we of these resources in. that have been repurposed from the government like <laughs> it's insane like, like, the like... lengths that they've gone to and like the mi- like the misuse of company the misuse of, of, of company property and just really like a miscarriage of of justice like they have they have just it's it's millions of dollars worth of resources that he's put towards finding out if he's got a whole team that he's like (laughs) he has to pay obviously to like go in there like a SWAT team and it's all to just like kid so he like kidnaps his wife first of all I laughed so hard because when they're taking Simon away and he screams Simon screams I don't know if you caught this but I caught it because I leave the subtitles on and um it's Simon background screaming take her take her don't hurt me (laughs) and I wrote I was like oh my god such grand Brandon Greenhouse vibes (laughs) how dare you This is the kind of no. This is slander. This is slander. I would not. She's saying that because I've said before, if we're on the street and something pops off, it's every man for themselves. And and, and what and he that's means different. Is, is it different or is it? Yeah. You're telling me you were in this scenario and you had something that would get get you out and implicate me. You wouldn't use it. I mean, the truth will do that, so I don't have to. <laughs> I'd be like, look at the facts, you know? <laughs> but let's see what you're trying to do. Please. Oh my God, just kidding. Anyway, campaign. I, I did write that in order to smear your name on this podcast. Um, and here we are. 
But like, so he like kidnaps his wife and like puts her in this like terrifying room in front of a double mirror and like speaking to her and asking her all these questions with like a modulated voice. It's so man- it's so manipulative and it's such so- a like abuse of trust. Like he's put her in this bare room. There's nothing in there but the chair and then like the two sided mirror and then him mm-hmm. and uh, him and I want to say Arnie. My God, him and Tom Arnold. <laughs> on I felt like that was his name on Roseanne, right? That was Arnie. Arnie. That was that was his character's name on Roseanne, and I, I don't almost remember. said it. Um, but the two of them are on the other side with these like microphones that are distorting their voices, so they don't sound like themselves. And they're just sort of interrogating her and asking her like about if she's cheated on her husband and how she knows um, Simon and all this. It's just so awful. It's just like a position of power that like no one should be in in a relationship unless it's, it's like the person so knows fun. and it's some sort of kink that you two are exploring where you. You're like, I want to be interrogated. But other yeah, than but that, that like, no, that's not what this is. Yeah, because that involves consent, and this does not. And this is just like terrifying your wife who it's, doesn't yeah. understand this world, doesn't understand like that she's punishing safe, her, punishing her for wanting a little excitement. And yeah, maybe she definitely probably shouldn't be like you know pursuing something with this guy, but she really didn't. I mean, but also she you thought were both she was lying. like helping. Yeah, and she like thought she was like helping her government, you know, her country too, you know. And you've been lying for 15 years and she was lying for like two weeks. Yeah, exactly. So like perspective. But Harry doesn't have any of that. And he's also like bullying her into admitting that she like loves him. I know. Do you still love your husband? Yeah. He's a megalomaniac. This is like not a normal way to do things. Like sit down with your wife and have an honest conversation with her. Yeah, Yeah, we could have definitely done that. Are you happy? Like, yeah, I've been worried that maybe you were. Yeah, are you cheating on me? Or, you know, I've heard rumors and whispers of you, you know, and some guy named Simon. Like, anything, but, like, no. But this. But no. Go ahead. Spend millions of dollars. Kidnap your wife. Question her. And then when you decide she's passed your test, now make up a whole ass fake mission for her so she feels like she has ex- some excitement in her life. Which, actually, I do think is, like, kind of a sweet thing to do. But... You can't do that, like I'm. Mean, yeah, of course. There's a part of you that's like, I like in like in my right mind. I think like this is all just too much. We just need exactly. some honesty and some sobering conversations, and <laughs> right. uh, maybe a redefining of boundaries. But, yeah. um, but I, but also part of me is like the romantic is like, oh, look at him setting a little bit of a little bit like- of fun that's gonna be sort of contained, and you know she'll exactly. get the the heart race and all that. But exactly. Obviously. I mean, and so there is that part. And it's a movie, so you're allowed to do that in this moment. Um, But so she gets a call and she, like, shows up at the hotel in order to, like, go on this mission as Doris. Or, I guess Doris. Yeah, this mission that Harry's created. He's given her a code name, an alias. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of the fulfillment of, like, the fantasy. Totally. And she's he's like, wear something nice or whatever. And she shows up in this. I like, I want this dress. It's the original dress that she's wearing. So it's like this tight black dress with like all these insane ruffles, like long sleeve, like sheer long sleeve ruffles all over the place. It's like um, at the hem and, at, you know, all the way up to her neck. And... It's a shame because what she does when he tells her she's playing a prostitute is she 
and this is a, th- a movie thing that pisses me off to no fucking end. She's like, okay, well, this isn't going to do. So she stands in the hotel, in front of the mirror, in the hotel, like in the hall. And she starts ripping off all the ruffles. And then all of a sudden she has this like perfectly like sexy black dress. And it's like, honey, in real life, you can't just pull apart your dress and be like, this works. Because what you have will be rags. Because that's not how it works. But the moment (laughs) is, I think it's defined. I went on the government website, and Mm. I think this was defined as a cultural reset for America, was (laughs) this full sequence. Um, I know this is iconic because people talk about this scene all the time. And because you watched it and you thought this is history. Exactly. I watch it. I knew what I knew when I was watching. I was watching something iconic. But the thing that she does too is she, so she's in this tight black dress now, and she's like, I, you know, this this sort of nineteen twenties like bob is not going to work. So she takes a thing of flour and like pours the water in her yes. hands, the hair like slicks back her hair, like she's in an addicted to love video, yeah. and she looks amazing. But I was Absolutely. like, you know, I'm going to call some things out about the fact that you can't just do that with water <laughs> no you I'm, know we're, we're being lied to and that that flower that flower water had to have been fresh because if it wasn't flower water smells so fucking bad sometimes <laughs> okay so if i know that there was probably like an uptick in like places like you know the suburbs of america after this movie mm. came out of like housewives <laughs> like splashing flower water on their heads <laughs> and ripping their sunday best on date night <laughs> to try and like live the full fantasy and like a lot of people probably had to learn some hard lessons about the fact that yeah we have was- one dress and then a tailor-made <laughs> black dress that fit her like a fucking glove was brought out and placed was apparently yeah with like no seams or like you know or like uh, threads falling out or anything like that it was like a perfect like off the rack dress I did mention to Dave while we were watching the film that I think that for a RuPaul's Drag Race runway like they did a runway Mm. that was like a three in one and I was like oh my god this would be the perfect three in one runway like (gasps) Dowdy Helen then ripping the dress and then just like even if you want to do the third one and just rip off the dress and have like that oh 1990s like like brawn panty set yeah it's like which was jamie lee curtis's by the way that was of her actual brawn panty set and so i was just like of course oh it was. my god it was okay first of all she looks incredible how old was she our age she was like 35 i think which also by the God way damn. earlier in the movie i realized that that tom arnold was actually younger than us in this film and i thought Ugh, i can't hear that i was like, <laughs> I was like so that's what it looks like too um <laughs> So that was rough. But then I found out that Jamie Lee Curtis was already. I was like, oh, that made me feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> well, um, I don't look like Jamie Lee Curtis, so it does not make me feel any better. Do I, but it's just like, <laughs> but it was just the realization it's that like, it could fall this way too. Like, there's levels to this shit. <laughs> yeah, and um, no, you're absolutely right. Her body's insane. Obviously, she said she worked out like every day, like leading up mm. to this movie, which is like, duh. If you're gonna, I do that, absolutely. You know? She looks amazing, and I do. Be- I I'm a strong believer in all bodies are good bodies and all bodies are beautiful but I am having trouble not thinking that this is the best body 
is, is, I know that that's on me, and I gotta do a lot of personal work. But man, that is fucking good. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a good one. I mean, if you gotta if you gotta pick a body to have, then yeah, that's a that's this a great is on one. The list. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it's like it's also like this whole scene. You know, she's she thinks that she's posing to help the government as like you know like this she's posing as a prostitute in order to like get into this man's room and like plant um a hearing device or tracking (laughs) device of some sort and so you know she she gets it fully going and this is like this whole scene you know with arnold arnold is pretending to be the gentleman and lighting apparently is so magical (laughs) that like he um he's only she can only see even though the room is dimly lit she can literally only make out his silhouette which by the way is a very distinct silhouette anyway like Arnold Schwarzenegger I was thinking about this like if my wife you also know your husband's body exactly if my wife was sitting in a shadow in a hotel room I'd be like hi Tara like I know what you look like I know what your body looks like I know how you sit and I know how you like breathe like and the thing is is like He's using this tape recorder, which is so precarious because it could go south at any moment. It's like pre-recorded. He has a pre-recorded lines that he had gotten, I think, a French gentleman that works at the intelligence agency with mm -hmm. him to record these lines, which, by the way, you have to keep in mind the confidence you have to have (laughs) to believe that you know exactly what the other person is going to say. So that you, it, this is like peak Home Alone too. Um, <laughs> yes, it totally like, is. It is like it's like to know exactly what Tim. But Curry, that's Home Alone. Home Alone one. Oh, I was thinking of well, they they do a repeat of it, I, but the repeat oh, is on the. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of I was thinking of Home Alone two also because it involves more people and there's more mm-hmm. moving parts to it. When he's mm-hmm. at the hotel and Tim Curry comes upstairs and is at the door and he's using mm-hmm. the and then other people, um, other hotel workers come up to the door as well. Anyway, you're right. They <laughs> yeah. do it in both movies. I could have just said Peek Home Alone, but it's that sort of being able to yeah, the talk boy. Absolutely, it's that mm-hmm. sort of being able to um, predict what the person's going to say. Which you could say, oh, it's his wife he knows really well but it's like it's more than that though to know exactly what the other human being is going to say and have your retort ready so and also the thing that they do in movies when people do this is they'll do like a thing where like they fast forward a little bit and they push stop and they always stop at the exact perfect moment and it's always like no this is the logistical nightmare in real life also you can tell the difference between someone speaking in the same room as you that's what i was gonna say sound of a tape recorder no. being played. No, what I said to Dave last night was, was like the thing is that like our cats are smart enough to know if like Dave is actually in the room or if I'm talking to Dave on like a phone or like if mm-hmm. Dave calls them on like if Dave if Dave calls our cats and he's in the room, they will walk up to him. Like they'll hear him from the back room and they'll come into the room and saunter in and you know whatever. But if like if Dave like is talking to the cats and on the speakerphone or video or Zoom or anything, like they'll maybe their ears will perk up for a second when they hear him calling them but then they'll quickly realize he's not actually there and go back to sleep and so it's like if my cat the can suggest- discern yeah I mean the suggestion is that <laughs> Jamie that Lee Curtis is isn't as dense. astute 
as your cats. That Jamie Lee Curtis is a little bit behind my kitty cats. And yeah, I, I don't think, although there are some human beings that I know are, I don't think that Jamie, but Jamie Lee, Lee falls is into not that one category. Um, she's one of the sharpest tools, uh, mm-hmm. famously. So that was really funny. But the whole thing is just like, you know, set up so that we can have this full on Robert Palmer, you know, fantasy of Amazing. Jamie Lee Curtis. And I remember reading also that like Jamie Lee Curtis worked extensively with James Cameron to prepare this dance sequence and I thought I bet she did. <laughs> like old, what? That old James I'm sure is setting up those rehearsal blocks. They're like we have like these really intense like action sequences that we have barely touched. I noticed that you've blocked off two hours a day it looks like for the next two weeks of working with Jamie Lee Curtis and she's just gonna be in a thong the whole time it's like, I, you know I really the squeaky wheel gets the grease I really gotta work one this is all Jamie so we actually we we hired um, a professional a group of professional dancers to come in and to work with her that's not gonna be necessary I think this is really gonna be one of those times where I gotta roll up my sleeves and just like be the director of the movie you know I all right Jimmy Okay. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really funny. I'm sure it was extremely professional. Absolutely. Oh my God. Of course. But the but, thing is, you know, I mean, and, until we hear otherwise, but I think like <laughs> the dance itself is like really funny. So it's this sexy sort of like jazzy, strippery. It like, reminded me, it did when you said Robert Palmer. That's what I said last. It reminds yes. me of like, the lights are on. It's yeah. very like that. It's yeah. very that. And she like drops it to the floor at certain points. And then some some points she's like really into it. And then <laughs> the fall, when she falls, is really... That I actually like cackled when I saw Which that. Which apparently fall. her and James Cameron built that in. That wasn't... It's, it's, it's been famously said that it was improv, but it wasn't. It was something they built in, but, but Arnold didn't know about it. So the moment uh, when they do the fall <laughs> and he sort of like, he sits up, that's because Arnold actually thought that maybe Jamie had hurt herself and then she pops up and then he sort of settles back into his character so those kind of <laughs> moments were actually but then like when he drops the tape recorder that was that was improvised that wasn't improvised it just is what happened and James just kept rolling oh wow but it adds something that. to it I think they're both sort of out of their element he's obviously flustered because I mean he's just realized that his wife is the hottest woman in the world and so I'm sure that that takes a <laughs> so second he, I love how he's like get on the bed and close your eyes and that was the recorder that said that right yeah so that's some creepy shit he planned so with the he French like dude. planned it with the French dude that he was going to drag a rose down his wife's body while she closed her eyes and then kiss her and still try to remain anonymous which is like I'm sorry but you know what your partner is like when you kiss them and they oh I think that I think the plan and I may be wrong I thought the plan was at the moment that he kisses her I thought that was gonna his plan to reveal himself oh maybe it was yeah I think that I don't think I think that was the end of the caper and then you know obviously you've got your wife in a brown panty set in a bedroom and it's I'm time sure, to take advantage I'm sure his plan was to throw her back out and like really get in there <laughs> um, but then obviously he wasn't expecting her to hit him over the head with the phone no because um, we but all I know Helen say... is that kind of girl no of course not and she would never cheat on her Harry but I do I do want to bring it back to that Rose being dragged down her body and I want to ask like who decided that that was like a sexy move people do that in like movies in the 90s all the time and it just seems to me like 
What's good about this? You it's kind of I mean? sexy. It's like, is I mean, it? well, roses are roses are sort of a symbol of romance and the rose petals are delicate. So it's sort of like, almost like, a, I don't know. I've never had it happen to me, but I get like the sensorial sort of like the moment of like something ever so gently. People do, it with, people do it with feathers too. Like it's yeah. that thing of like something very like... delicately, you know, tracing your body. I think it's just like, I, you know. I'm sure it's very nice. I guess I just, uh, as a person, can't take it seriously. You don't. You would not respond well to being laid on a bed. It's not. It's not that I wouldn't. Pulling okay. out a poinsettia. And <laughs> why is it a poinsettia? I don't know. Roses don't it, do it for you. So is it Christmas to... time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Yeah, exactly, Jane. Like a little holiday treat. A little Christmas I, fantasy for your. I would not be you? able to take it seriously. And I'd be like, What are you doing? <laughs> what if your wife did it? What if she pulled out like your eyes are closed? She pulled out a pine cone. <laughs> And just ever so I gently. Mean, why, I'm like, why are you foraging? Like, what about a fork from the kitchen? Just like <laughs> down your. I'd be like, is that clean or dirty? Did you get that from the drawer, or is that? Oh, you ruined the moment, nag. <laughs> Did you clean that first? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. Not this time. <laughs> like, this smells like lasagna. I can't do this. It's like a little bit of chicken stuck to the, the edge of the fork. <laughs> this She's is like, like plucked from the dishwasher and we haven't run it in two days. So oh, this is like old chicken. Oh, that's gross. It's like, it's like shellac in like Campbell's like chicken noodle soup. <laughs> I hate like it. Raising it down your body. And like a little bit of like that, like, you know how it gets all gelatinous. It's like viscous. Yeah. It's like stuck in your navel, like a little bit of that corn. <laughs> Just like, get out of here with this. What's going on? I want this to stop. <laughs> like little 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 Hormel chili for your nerves. Just Ew. Like, <laughs> Hormel chili for your like nerves. Like she's using like a slotted spoon. It's like for dinner that's literally being cooked right now. It's like, what are you it's doing? Hot. Are, you, are we like... double dipping? Are you going back in to tend to the chili? With the she spoon stops in the middle. She's like, my sauce. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are we having sex? Or are you making sauce? What's happening here? And she's like, why do I have to choose, girl? <laughs> okay, we have to go back to the movie. Okay. So yeah, it's a full on it's a it's that full on sexy moment. And then I mean, talk about girl interrupted, because right after this Oh <laughs> you know, he tries to stop her. That's the the she runs out of the room, she's scared, she thinks this is just like a John. She f- remembers at the last minute to plant the um the device and then she tries to book it out of the room and then he's like, Helen and she's Helen, like, it's me. Well he doesn't It's me, Harry Tasker, your husband. Your husband from America. <laughs> Your American husband, you know, the one who grew up in Dubuque, Montana. <laughs> That's Iowa, I think. I'm sure it is. Or Idaho. It's one of those. It's either Iowa or Idaho. Okay. Whatever, I don't know shit. No, uh, it's fine. I People, people. if you don't know yet... Cut it! I won't be made a fool of! <laughs> no, it's, I, it's Iowa. If you don't know yet, then you should know that uh, states and, ge- and geography isn't exactly, you know... That's not my bread and butter. No, and it's 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 only uh, I'm only slightly better than Brandon at it. No, you're a lot better than me, you know. But (laughs) I will say, you know, in many ways, it's all relative anyway. In in some where the states ended up, where the lines are drawn to separate the states, it's all a matter of opinion. 
Yeah, borders are a lie. And as famously as everybody knows, Florida was originally supposed to be California, I think. Florida, Florida, Florifornia, Florifornia, <laughs> Florifornia. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm read your, my, read my your, read the books, and not just the ones they give you in school. Am I right? <laughs> the revolution will not be televised. No. <laughs> okay, our producer's moving us along. <laughs> So the bat, so so the terrorist organization they you know have been tracking Harry and they an unfortunate series of events they show up at the hotel like right as he's trying to explain his wife sees him she's super confused and then they sort of come in and infiltrate he's and, like Helen I can explain and that doors bust open and yeah. it's like all these terrorists coming to take both of them and she's like and she's trying to be like no you want me it's me you want. And Harry's like, no, just like, stop. I'll take care of this. And she like doesn't understand that he like is the person who should no. kind of like. She no, she thinks that she's the, the agent working for the government, and she doesn't understand obviously because she doesn't know what her husband does for a living. So she's like, no, like it's me. And she keeps trying to sort of like take over. And he's like, no, I got this. She's just a hooker. Leave her here. He goes. <laughs> I my favorite line. He's getting on the private plane that they like are smuggling. Smuggling them to the Georgia, uh, the Georgia, the Florida Keys too, and he goes, "She's just a wacko hooker that I met down at the bar." <laughs> There's also a moment on the plane where he says something. He, what does he say? He's like, "Let's let's cut this bitch loose." <laughs> something cut like this bitch loose. <laughs> yeah, he says that to like Tia Carrera when she's like puts her on the on the jet with him, and he's like. Let's cut this crazy bitch loose. <laughs> it's like his, tra- his trash talk is so like robotic and monotone. <laughs> it's like it you know it makes it sound more evil or like unhinged. <laughs> no, it's like they grabbed a couple of like Dennis Franz's lines from like the cutting room floor of like NYPD Blue, and they're like splice them in. No, I need to shut up. What were you gonna say? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, so, like, they're getting on the plane and Harry's trying to protect Helen by being like, no, she that's just some wacko hooker that I met down at the bar. And Helen is like, no, why are you... She's, like, trying to be like, no, we're married, see? And this is our child. And she, like, tells them that they have a daughter and shows them that, like, there's a locket. And he's like, well, you just blew it, Helen, because you're now showing these terrorists who are kidnapping us and you do understand you are being kidnapped there's no doubt about that that we are married and have a kid which means we're important to each other which means they will leverage all of that against you and me it's like come on helen well put we just sort of put the pieces together but also there's Say it's less. also funny to me that that helen's locket isn't like a photo of like her daughter and her husband i like that it's like one of the pics is like her it's just something funny that somebody has a locket with like that isn't just like it's like for me to have a locket with a photo of me and David in it is really funny to me (laughs) well me having a locket is kind of funny but me having a locket with like I don't know it's just it's funny (laughs) that's a really really good point I could understand if it was a 
one side was a picture of the two of you and the other side was a exactly. picture of your daughter. But it's really funny because one side is a picture of her and one side is a picture of him. And it's like, okay, girl, I guess we're celebrating you today. Also, it's funny too, and I think worth noting that like I've watched an interview, a really fun interview. It was a Vanity Fair career retrospective with Jamie Lee Curtis. It's great. I tell you all, you know, I if you have 15, 20 minutes to kill, it's really wonderful to hear Jamie Lee Curtis sort of talk about these pivotal moments in her career. She's mm. had a really storied and interesting career. And I'd love um, to watch that. Yeah, it's great. You totally should. I'll send you the link after this. Um, okay. But she talks about True Lies, and it's, I think, if I remember correctly, she said, I think it's her favorite role that she's ever had. And several oh actors said that. Tom Arnold said that. Tia Carrera has said that this is her favorite part that she's ever had. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger has also said something along those lines that this is just one of his, the most delightful experiences that he had in a film. Um, famously, Dave mentioned, and I think it's in trivia that like Jodie Foster was up for, for the part or in consideration for it, and uh-huh. then um, didn't end up doing it because she was working on Nell, or she took Nell as inset Tay and Luann. <laughs> but that's also funny to me because I can't see Jodie Foster in this part at all. At, at, all, um, at all. The thing that, although, the thing... if you want to hear my Jodie Foster accent, then you don't have to move much further away than this because she's going <laughs> to give it to you like this every time. That's However pretty good. You want it, whatever you like. This is Jodie Foster and this is also Holly Hunter. I was just about to say you're moving into Holly Hunter, Jodie Foster hybrid territory, which I actually really like. Like, who's that person, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Maybe I'll start talking like this a little bit. Maybe I'll get a little bit more fucking respect from you and from the media. <laughs> um, so so Jamie Lee Curtis, but, but also Jamie Lee Curtis, she tells this really funny story about how, like, James Cameron called her and was like, hey, I want you to star in this movie. I've written this movie for you and Arnold Schwartz. Um, I are you interested? And she's like, yeah, of course. And then she like call. He's like, okay, I'm gonna bring the script. I'm gonna send the script to you. But like the person who's bringing the script to you is going to. You can't have it. Like you get to read the script, and then the person's gonna take it away. Like very that. Like wow. this is top secret. That kind of thing. Uh, he didn't want Christopher Guest getting his hands on it. I know what the <laughs> truth is. Um, but um, yeah, so she calls her agent. She's like, hey, you may be getting a call from James Cameron. We just spoke. He has a movie that he wants me. On a short singer starring, and she said her agent was like, Yeah, 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 I heard about that. That's not gonna be a thing. And she was like, Oh, okay. And she was like, it, it was a thing. And I was like, It's really funny. Like, I don't know what part of this scenario to you, like, as an agent, would lead you to believe this wasn't gonna come to fruition. Like, James Cameron yeah. was one of the, if not the biggest, like, director of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I just getting a phone call from James Cameron saying this is happening to me, I mean, I just, there's not many other directors there, that that's I would be like, wait. Yeah. If she, yeah, maybe in a world where she was like, hey, I, I just got off the phone with Paul Rubens and he said that he's going to direct a movie starring me and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know. <laughs> then I may be like, all right, let's, let's hold off. Or like, I was just speaking with Does Paul White Rubens Snakes, direct? Tawny Katane, and she said that she's pieced meal together a script <laughs> that she wants me to star in with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to talk to Tawny. But yeah, it's like if James Cameron says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I thought that was really funny, but also it's like this part was was her down pat. Like it's got everything in it that James he saw her in Fish Called Wanda, which is mm. another of my favorite movies. Have you ever seen that, Jane? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I love that movie. That's a great. I haven't movie. seen it in a long time, but I do love that movie. 
But I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was like a really fun story. And yeah, no, I think it's great. And I also am like, she like the thing that she brings to this role, which I couldn't see anybody else doing, is that she brings a a ton of comedy to this role and a ton of like really slapsticky comedy that I think she does so well. Absolutely. She, in the same way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is like a very good physical actor when it comes to you know um, stunts and all that kind of stuff, she brings. She's just a physical actor that like I I feel like she's so aware of her body in every scene. And so she is either doing something hilarious with it, like when she drops the fucking machine gun, so they have this... Oh, that's one of the... That scene. That's like a really... That's a classic, like... Yeah, that's like one of the big scenes from this movie. There's a lot of really big scenes from this movie. Obviously, the biggest scene from this movie is the body, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, Mm -hmm. that whole sequence, that's really it. But, like, the Mm -hmm. other one is Jamie Lee Curtis on the the staircase with the machine gun dropping it and the machine gun going down the staircase and Jamie Lee Curtis going, (laughs) It's so unhinged. It just tumbles down. First of all, I love how it starts where she's just like... (laughs) Arnold is like, shoot the gun! Or whatever he says to her. Yeah, and she's like, that's it. okay, I will shoot this automatic weapon that I've absolutely never touched or held. And she starts shooting and it absolutely like throws her like small body backwards and then it tumbles down the stairs. And she's just like, she does exactly the thing that like any like normal person would do in that scenario, which is just flailing. <laughs> like, and being like, do I hide from the bullets but I also want to see what's happening and just the look on her face and when I was watching that I was laughing so hard and the note that I wrote I was like okay I see why you and Christopher Guest have made it work all these years because they're absolutely that that made me be like this could be in a Christopher Guest movie just like this scene in particular or this like moment in particular which I just thought was so funny and so well handled that's a that's an astute observation. I I think so too. There are these moments in movies that she has, like we talked about with uh, a fish called Wanda. This movie, obviously, films also like Freaky Friday, which famously Jamie Lee Curtis was not cast in as well. That was supposed to be Annette Benning. And, like, Jamie Lee Curtis was brought in, like, a week before they started shooting because Annette pulled out and, like, did that with it. And it's, like, a part that was made for Jamie Lee Curtis. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's just, like, she, but that, but her ability to tap into, like, that part of herself, I think Mm -hmm. it really sort of elevates, you know, comedic material. And Jamie Lee Curtis has, she's beautiful. She has all of this sex appeal. And she also has this ability... She has this ability to also handle um, comedy with this. She has like this. Um, it's it's her. Uh, she, she's she's malleable. Like yeah, she is malleable, and she, she, she is can, the definition of she has the range. Yeah, she, she has, has she has the range, and she and her she brings this sort of authority to to like her comedy though too. She's always mm-hmm. sort of in control of her vessel, and she has such like innate um, uh, comedic timing and she just Mm -hmm. understands how bits work and so like all of those things come together to really elevate a performance like this 
and material like this because she brings both to her. It's like you're going to get her doing this really sexy striptease, but then she's also going to biff it at one point. Like, you know, <laughs> and then so and then she's good. right back in the sexy moment because she's she sort of has this ability to to volley and to bounce back and forth between these two like, you know, these two existences like she she brings them together it's really great um do we want to talk about the bridge do you have any more to say about the um the bridge sequence yeah well it's really no it's no that one's she she also jamie also has mentioned that that was filmed on her 35th birthday actually oh shit Um, and she was did not want to do it she was very reticent to and James Cameron really talked her into it and she said you know she's like well and where are you going to be while well, I'm you know hanging from the side of this hel- this helicopter and he said I'm going to be on the helicopter with a handheld camera filming you and so was he really? yeah, yeah. so he, he was filming it on the helicopter while she was hanging from it Wow. Yeah. So so this is one of the most incredible action scenes that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's and a wild I one. think a lot of times when you go back and you watch old action movies, you're like, oh, this is sort of corny. It didn't hold up. Like, this shit looks fake. Like, this shit looks real as hell. And yeah. I was having goosebumps and, like, started, like, you know, cold sweats on my palms while I was watching. Maybe I'll get a little bit more fucking respect from you and from the media. Great sort of moment that leads us into her hanging from the helicopter where it's but it's like this almost like all of this sort of frenzied energy um she figures out a way to harness that energy and she looks at him and he looks at her and there's a connection and she's like no i'm going to do this thing because i have to do it at this moment and mm-hmm. she and he reaches out his hand and she actually grabs onto it and i think those are the moments that sort of it's all because it's this sort of um it, it, it's uh what's the word it's um not allegory it's like a it's a metaphor sorry it's a metaphor mm-hmm. of, for like their marriage you know it's mm-hmm. that sort of lost in translation we're on different two ships passing in the night we can't figure out a way to connect and mm-hmm. it's resulted in sort of like this mania on both yeah. sides this inconsistency this sort of like uh, this uh, uncontained sort of like you know flurry of, of energies and it's like this moment where they look at each other and it's like we're going to make it though it's mm-hmm. like that moment where they find their way back to where they find their way back to, to one another mm-hmm. and I think that it's really sort of it becomes like yeah this I mean it's the, literally the world's most romantic gesture that I can yeah. think of it's like yeah. your husband saving you from your certain death by yeah. pulling you out of a of a <laughs> like a a, a limo that's about to fucking crash and that's about to crash into like, the ground and you're exactly. plummet to your death if he doesn't get you out and it's just like they they we got to do this together exactly and it's, it's a great it's great it's ep- it's epically romantic and then they sort of and then they land and they have this kiss which <laughs> which is very sweet and um, in any other movie and i would ask you did you think the movie was over at this point jane Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. you always think that the, it's the point because any other movie, that's where it would end. But it's like. I, exactly. They're like literally kissing in front of the sunset in front of the water. Or maybe it's not sunset, but it's like the sun, It's an explosion. Know. It looks yeah. like it's a nuclear explosion happening behind them. But it's yeah. like it lights up the side of their faces and then um, Arnold Schwarzenegger puts his hand up to sort yeah. of like block it because you're not supposed to look directly into that kind of oh, is damage. That why he did that? That's what Dave I, told me, yeah. I have in my notes, why is he 
blocking her face. It's he's blocking their eyes because you could you could have um, permanent like eye damage, I think, from looking into Oh how the fuck something. did Dave know that? Dave knows everything, man. He it's knows so, like oh god, shit. let me take that back. I, I don't know. He that. he just has like very, very like like insane trivia that I would never know. And it's like Dave is, I mean Dave is a very smart person and he knows a lot of like things and it's always which is one of the reasons why when I ask Dave random questions sometimes about things and then he'll be like it's not trivia it's just okay he's just he's just trying well, to listen it's, it's not trivia but it's but it's it's interesting information that not everybody knows and like I because Dave knows so much about random things like that when I ask him sometimes about a random thing and Dave will be like I don't know how the hell would I know that and I'll be like I don't because like, you know everything else exactly I don't know so yeah oh my god he goes I intuited it when I was a child uh, okay <laughs> fuck you Dave yeah, I guess we're, we're two adults who didn't pick it up yeah, I was we too busy intuiting. trying to um I, here's the thing if someone's doing a passionate kiss around me I am not looking at the scenery if you know what I mean I'm watching that kiss you're I'm, perving out and you're watching I'm, people without their consent <laughs> This is a movie. Everyone's consented to me seeing it. Oh, okay. Out. Cool. <laughs> All right. Don't turn me into a pervert. I love yeah. romance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> romance. Fucking hate you. Um. So. Uh. So yeah. So all that, and then we find out, and then he hops in this Harrier jet, which also Dave just loves the Harrier jet because, as he's explained to me, I'm gonna bastardize this, but these, but the way that Harrier jets, when he's like, when you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, they he comes over, Tom Arnold's like gives him a high five. He's like, yeah, man, yeah. you really you saved the day. Everything's good, except they have your daughter, and like, <laughs> it's like I was like, oh. Shit. <laughs> and then Arnold's like, bricks over. And he hops in the Harrier jet. And then, like, Harrier jets apparently... I'm sorry, Dave. Harrier jets are... Ver- they can. They are, like, one of the only, like, um, I guess, like, plane... Not plane... <laughs> I'm already... Vehicle- vehicles of flight, which Vehicles right of flight that, that, can, sounds- that can get off the ground vertically. Like, most of them cannot get off the ground by I by was purely- really impressed by that plane yeah. going... Lifting up vertically, and I thought, wow, you don't see that a lot. Do helicopters do that? I don't know. I, I don't think it's a thing that they do. I'm sure we're going to get a message. I feel like helicopters like, you do, two do idiots. that. Oh, we're full. We are so dumb. Dave we has spoken with. Dave has also aviation. told me. Dave, what, during the Encino Man episode, he like came in the room and he was like, you and Jane are just, we were just talking about shit that we didn't know. He was like, you're throwing words around like Pangea. <laughs> and he was like. <laughs> And he was like, he you must got think that the fact that he said to listen to these the two, shows, those two loud these shows for fools. us, <laughs> it's like the respect that he must lose for us every goddamn week. Every week. Every every week. week. While we do these recordings. And you know what, Dave? Guess what? And I know we were, and I know we were speaking bravely. I know we were speaking with an authority that like we do not have about like fi- how science and the ice age works. I do find that you and I often speak briefly without anything to back it up. And we do it a lot on this podcast. And it takes all kinds, you know? <laughs> we do it a lot um, when we're not being recorded. But that's Dave has us. also given us a reprieve because he has also said it was a long time ago, which is true. And that's okay. why we were confused about the Ice Age. <laughs> um, he also though, then insulted us immediately after that by saying, you speak with reckless abandon. And on that Anyways, note, we're done with you, Dave. We're done with um, you, Dave. You're fired. Anyways... 
but actually you're not fired because we don't know how to no we need Um, (laughs) but so the so the extremist group has um has gotten a hold of dana the daughter um she gets away from them um also shout out to you knowing the term harrier jet i was like that plane that lifts right up i only know it because i've watched the movie a day before and he's pointed out to me and i actually did think it was a cool fact and i was like oh that's kind of cool that is a cool fact that it you know they're so cool because and i think the military the u.s military gave him permission to use the harrier jet which was like a big deal um and so it's also i do want to mention this uh this movie was at the time that it was made it was the first movie that cost over a hundred million dollars to make i think okay because i literally wrote in my notes as right under the harrier jet stuff which i did not call it that i was like this movie has got to be so fucking expensive (laughs) 120 million dollars which at the time was the most expensive and the one before that i believe dave said was t2 which is another james cameron movie so he's so he's spending spending but also recouping so he's like check he's like yeah check the receipts mama but check the box office right after (laughs) because last time i checked the numbers don't lie any other questions Spent 120, made a profit of 250. Get into it. Get into uh, it. Uh, uh, um, okay. So, yeah, it, did, it made a $250 million profit. So, it's like, yeah, and what? Um, <laughs> you made your money back, though, didn't you? Okay. Get out of my face. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so he rescues his daughter on the Harrier jet. There's also a moment where she's like, she's out on this like scaffolding, like trying to get away from the bad guys. She's got the key around her neck, which is like the key to the weapon of mass destruction that they have. And he's levitating below her and he's shouting to her, jump down. <laughs> and like Dave and I both were like, to where? Like, there's not a clear place to jump to. <laughs> It's so, so different. It's like he he's so confident about being able to catch her, but he's like buckled into this seat. Yeah, it's also it's like, do you want me to drum down to like on top of you? Because that's the only open area. And then if I do that, then you're gonna not be able to see. So it's like, where do I go? Oh, on this like curved windshield that I'm gonna slide off of. That's Yo. like full. That's also like full of broken glass. So I might like stab myself. Yeah, it, it like, it's really so a precarious. request that talk about precarious so she eventually gets down she just jumps onto like the Wait, front can of this- i can yeah. i say one thing this is Please. this happens before um he uh, Ar- arnie shows up with the jet and yeah. um uh dana the daughter is being yeah, chased yeah. by the terrorist guy aziz and they're like crawling up these scaffolding and aziz is like shooting at her but like mm-hmm. keeps missing her <laughs> like shade my wife real quick because Tara was like all he has to do is shoot up the column he'll get her (laughs) you're rooting for the girl not Tara's like upset that he doesn't end her life I wrote my wife always on the right side of history She's like angry. Sarah's like seething. <laughs> she's just like she's everybody just, knows. <laughs> she yeah. just can't stand that he missed. Tara's like shot. it's so easy to sh- it's so easy to shoot a kid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I just wanted to say that. But then then we love you, the, T. We love you, and we think you're a monster. Um. So she does eventually jump down onto the plane, which literally gave me like sweat bullets. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
you knew, you like you know she's gonna make it because this would <laughs> this isn't that movie but yeah. like <laughs> it's just so stressful and he like ha- he like situates her so she's like holding on to like the metal part of the the windshield that's been shot the glass has been shot out of out of it but it's like even still that's not like a real tight grip no it also just because you just said that we know where you know she's gonna survive it just reminded me of like when you watch movies and like they like even play around with like somebody yeah. killing like a baby and you think <laughs> to yourself like there's no way there's no way and like there's no way. 95% of the time there's no way but every now and then there's a movie where they kill a baby they and you do. think to yourself oh this is what we're doing because when somebody <laughs> like, does that you're like all bets are off then Nobody's absolutely safe. absolutely it it's was a like- choice to kill a child in a movie. No one is safe. You know what I mean? (laughs) What part of that didn't you understand? (laughs) I killed a baby right in front of your eyes. Anything could happen. Can we just take that? Can we just take that clip of Jane saying that so I can use that if I need to ever frame her for anything? Um, But yeah, so she's on the plane. The the terrorist gentleman is on the plane too. He's got his machine gun. The terrorist gentleman? And then Arnold... What were you going to say, Jane? The terrorist gentleman. I want a yeah. t-shirt that says that. Okay. Terrorist gentleman. Um, and it sounds like a romantic comedy, actually. It does. We should the write it. Gentlemen, Fox gentleman. Searchlight presents <laughs> in conjunction with Paramount Pictures. A hero for a hero for a new generation. So yeah, so he rescues, so we get her off. Then um the terrorist gentleman, he's on the plane, he gets connected to a to a rocket that's attached to the plane, and then Arnold looks at him and goes, you're fired and then shoots it and apparently James Cameron brought in a team of like comedy writers to punch up this script and he like hated and then he hated everything that they did and there was like two jokes that he liked and one of them was that you're fired I Um, hate that because it's so associated with um the apprentice and Donald Trump yeah which was way after this but yeah which was way after this but I saw it and I was like ugh you know it's like he's ruined that for I mean it wasn't a great joke but whatever also I just feel like it was like he was so like lucky that that missile went off and went through the building and then killed the other plane helicopters of terrorists and not yeah. like and not like continued through another building and killed like hundreds of civilians. That's every scene in this movie because they <laughs> use know. machine guns throughout this movie in public places and no civilians ever die somehow. <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, he rescues his daughter and then um, we have, we, we, we flash forward to a year down the road and now Helen's hair has grown out a little bit so she's having mm-hmm. a little shoulder length moment and they get another phone call at the house the family's happy now they, they've the unit is together they're and really playing thumb wars at the table which I like, <laughs> yeah, you okay. know like you do, <laughs> like how, you do. How, how weirded out would I be if my mom ever was like hey baby can I challenge you to a thumb war <laughs> like I'd be like, what? I'd be like, what are we talking about? I haven't had a thumb war in so long. Um, But, yeah, so they call them. Now we discovered that Helen's working for the agency. um, Because apparently, like, I guess they're like, you're qualified now, girl. And she's like, what about all the training? very well. Like, some of these people have been training for decades. She's like, they're like, yeah, don't worry about that. So she's going out in the field. And now it's her and um, her husband. They're, They're undercover at a party. Like, a big, another big gala, like the 
one that started the movie where he was doing mm-hmm. the tango with Tia, except now he's with his wife. And they run into Simon, who is working as a waiter at this event, and he's once again spitting his same fuckboy bullshit to some other unsuspecting woman about how he's like a secret agent, and they roll up on him. And earlier in the movie, when um, Harry and um, Albert, Tom Arnold, Tom Arnold confront... Um, Simon, they have him on the side of a like a dam, and they're threatening to shoot him, and he pisses himself. He's like in his underwear, and he pisses That's himself. That's one of my so, favorite parts. It was really funny. And then, so again, they run into him, and he sees the two of them, and he pisses himself again. And he's he like runs. a waiter at this yeah. party, and he's like wearing like a suit, and he's just like, he's like, oh shit, and just like starts <laughs> urinating on himself. It's they not, even... it's not a very dignified moment for Simon. No. And, um, he, and he runs <laughs> off and Dave pointed out which I've never noticed before and I don't think Dave did either when he runs off away from them he like he sort of like pushes this old woman <laughs> and when he pushes her like he put no he pushes this old man he pushes this old man trying to run away and like the old man like grabs onto this old woman next to him <laughs> and he takes her down with him and it, it's, like an un, it's an unhinged moment and it's a moment where you think like this wasn't planned to go this way and I'm a little curious on Honestly, genuinely 100% if they were okay because like he <laughs> takes her down and her eyes are a little like she's startled but they're still glazed over but it's like a little bit of like what the fuck this was not the take that we talked about um, this is not, it's not what I signed up for when I didn't I sign up for a up tumble a featured extra like come on give I'm, me the craft services and like leave me alone <laughs> exactly like I was a Bill medic Paxton. in the fucking war like <laughs> Show me some respect. I'm legit Rosie the Riveter. That was based on me. (laughs) Put some respect on my name. I was in the field tossing that softball with the girls. So their own is that give it? Yep, exactly. And so that's the movie ends. And one of the the last like funny detail was that Jamie Lee mentions that during the tango scene at the very end of the movie, as the credits are rolling, she (laughs) goes down to the ground. There's one point where she slides down to the ground and then Arnold swings her around and she's supposed to slide down and get back up, but she actually falls. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis said that's because she obviously all the working out and this movie was so physical. And she's mm-hmm. like, I was physically drained. And she's like, when I go down to the ground, because they filmed the scene so many times, she's like, my legs were just shot. So when I do the slide down and I fall, that was genuinely me falling. And she was like, I never thought that James Cameron was going to use that take. So when she saw the movie at the end, she was so, she was like, that we were so hard to you know to get this tango right and I fall mm-hmm. and um he used the take that I fell and I was so upset because I'd worked, I wanted to be good so bad and she's like you know and then I thought about it and I realized that no that's exactly what would happen to Helen though of course exactly. she would be doing say, something that's, really that's like sexy yeah. and sensual and then there'd be a moment where she sort of like you know has like a, a flub or something so yeah. she was like it actually was perfect for her uh, for the character but yeah yeah, totally so that was a lot of fun. It was super fun. I it was uh, I I'm like I feel like we we could talk about this movie for absolutely way longer because there's yeah. just so many things that we couldn't get to. But like we've been talking for a very long time. We have. <laughs> but um, I I loved this movie. I don't think it needs to be said, but I will ask Jane: Would you watch this movie again? I would, and I might watch it again recently because like I I think there's a couple things that I missed because I was taking notes yeah both both times I try to watch um, I try to watch the movie once 
once and take notes and then watch it again without taking yeah. notes. Mm-hmm. But this one just... I, I saw so many things the second yeah. time, too, that I yeah. continued to take notes. So I want I do want to watch it again. Oh, fun. Okay. On its own. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. And then um, I am curious if you have a movie that you want me to watch for next week. <clears throat> well... I'm sure you're curious, and I'm sure it keeps you up at night, the fear, the sweat, It does, yeah. yeah. of what you're going to have to do when it's my week. And <laughs> look, I'm not the only one who's been waiting for it. I think the I think our listeners have been waiting for it. Um, what is this going to be? I've several people asked me, when is this coming Ugh. up? And so here we are. We are revisiting the Twilight series. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we are going to watch Twilight New Moon, the second movie in the series. And I can't wait. <sighs> Any first impressions, Bran? Uh, well, I'm assuming that Kristen's going to be mopier this time around, probably. <laughs> and everybody's going to be a little bit paler. And mm. um, the stakes, I, I was going to say the stakes are going to be raised, but something tells me probably not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm ready to revisit, you know, spooky I high. can't. I can't wait. I mean, we had to do it. I will say Twilight has been our most popular episode, our most popular episode. So it people has. have enjoyed it. So if you haven't checked out our first, um, our episode on the first movie, check that out. Yeah, then coming. grow up. Then check it out. Grow up and listen to our fucking podcast. What are you doing bouncing around? There's an order here. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> check it out and we'll be back next week with New Moon. All right. Thank you guys. Bye. Maybe I'll get a little bit more fucking respect from you and from the media.